Hey, welcome y'all to the almost start of the Robert Scott Bell Show, Friday edition, uh, June the 9th, 2023, heading into the weekend. And uh, the wondrous ride into the weekend comes through the show in a great way. We've got uh, Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center joining us. We so look forward to this every couple of weeks, hanging out and uh, chatting on a lot of different topics. Uh, surveillance, who knows, UFO discussion could could go there. <laughs> In the first hour, we have a, a special guest for the first time. She's from the United Kingdom, UK, uh, Great Britain, whatever you want to call it. Maybe we'll ask her uh, what it is. We're on UK Health Radio. Maybe you all know about her already. Vanessa Elston. Vanessa Elston, as my wife brings me my tea, thinking of a British thing, although it's not black tea, uh, but it's lovely anyway. <laughs> and so we got uh, Vanessa talking. We'll talk quantum physics, quantum entanglement, a uh, little esoteric for some. Super Don's all in, all over it, as you know. And uh, first, we're going to start out and kind of ground ourselves in the unfortunate reality that big pharma still tries to control the vertical and the horizontal of your uh, cellular biology by poisoning you back to health. And how do they claim that their stuff helps you? Get to that in a moment. So with that, share the show, robertscabell.com slash listen, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll crank it up for health, freedom, and healing liberty just about now. The Robert Scott Belcher. Scott Belcher. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Belcher. All right, y'all. Well, summer is almost upon us, although wherever you are, uh, shifts in weather happen. Uh, and, of course, the convincing uh, evidence that uh, climate change is real is just, well, I don't know. Is it looking up in the sky and going, oh, well, today's weather is different than yesterday? <laughs> or does it mean something more than that? And, uh, you know, if so, what can you do about it as a a human on this planet, you know, having an, uh, a physical experience and realizing that this body that you have, you got to take care of it. At one point, maybe you realize it, maybe you don't. I certainly had to realize it the hard way by um, just basically adopting whatever doctors told me. There was nothing about nutrition in my young life that doctors ever mentioned to my family, my parents or me, just, hey, yeah, take this drug, take this shot, have a little surgery, you'll be okay. And many of you have woken up to the harsh reality that poisoning yourself back to health is not a good strategy for longevity, much less uh, viability in, 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 let's say, undoing whatever it is that ails you at this moment in time or what it's taken a lot of time to get here in terms of, uh, well, acute disease, acute injury. That's a sudden kind of onset scenario. But a lot of what I focus my time on when we talk about health and healing on the Robert Scott Bell show is the slow insidious development of chronic conditions, chronic diseases, slow insidious over time. Some would claim over generations. And then they say what you're suffering from is a genetic disease or genetic anomaly. But remember that even uh, in the transition from one uh, generation to another, the impact of what the previous generation was exposed to in terms of toxicological burdens, that which it wasn't exposed to in terms of inflow of good nutrition will impact the next life as you procreate, if you can even procreate now, as we see a lot of young people struggling with that. We have in the Western world 
where predominantly the message of the Robert Scott Bell show is landing. I don't know that we have a lot of uh, listeners in far flung, far flung regions of the world when we talk about from from the United States, like uh, uh, in areas of, of Asia. Although I know we have some listeners in South Korea and some areas of Asia as well. But when we look at the, dare I say, conflict between schools of thought or paradigms or belief systems, Eastern, Western, and I'm not even talking necessarily about religion, but talking about materialistic reductionism, the idea that all we are is a lump of chemistry or chemicals and that we modify the chemicals or chemistry that somehow will be okay again. Or in the worst case scenario, I would say of the devious evil mind of men or men who uh, exhibit evil tendencies to alter life or creation itself through the arrogance that they carry with them. And it could be for women too, to surgically alter, if you will, genetic code structure. If we believe in a creator, God that created us all, and we say, hey, you know, just because we can, we should, right? Now that we have the technology to go in and alter genes or alter the programming of genetic expression, that is uh, protein uh, uh, sequences, if you will. I, I bring this up today because uh, we're going to go a little bit esoteric in the first hour. We're going to go beyond the uh, you know molecular reductionism of the drug industry. A pill for every ill, how uh, we have been programmed to believe that if we can just alter chemistry, again, it changes everything. Kind of like you have a headache. If you grew up in the Western world and you took used to take an aspirin or now a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug of some kind, ibuprofen, or even a not, not an NSAID, but Tylenol, which is a liver toxic uh, drug that can reduce certain pains, but at a high cost. Not acknowledging or recognizing that there's a reason that you might have a headache, including a lot of circulatory abnormalities, whether it be a lack of hydration causing a thickening of the blood, a blood pressure issue elevating because of damage to the endothelial lining of the vascular system due to deficiencies and toxicity. And then it manifests as a symptom or symptoms. And you say, here's a drug that is designed here. It's got a label. It says it's for this symptom or symptoms. Let me take it. And like, oh, I feel better. And then again, down the road, where you move from an acute pain to a chronic degradation disease of some kind, once again, met improperly by intoxicating the body further, poisoning the body further to manage those symptoms through big pharma. As we open up the Robert Scott Bell show today, I, I will be lightening it up. I know this sounds kind of intense, the starting point, but it's a lot of things I'm, I'm just thinking about right now that's just come out, kind of coming through me. Uh, and we got Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center coming up in hour two. It's going to be amazing. We got a new uh, guest, Vanessa Elston from England coming on. We'll talk about quantum healing, quantum entanglement, cool stuff coming up. Stand by. But the idea that we are all suffering from drug deficiencies is something that didn't happen overnight, didn't happen by accident. There was an intent to convince the world or as much of the world as possible that the products of an, of an industry, a monopoly industry, a very dominant and devious industry, much of which is manifested from the 20th century forward, but has a lot longer history than that I'll acknowledge, from what I call the demon spawn of IG Farben, Nazi Germany, the breakup of IG Farben, this chemical conglomerate. A lot of the experimentations on humans, whether they did it to Jews, gypsies, gays, blacks, whatever it was, they could be infirm, the, you know, mentally, whatever, they experimented upon them. And much like uh, Operation Paperclip in terms of rocket scientists out of Germany, rather than holding them 
for crimes against humanity. We go, oh, these people are smart. We can take their knowledge and use it for our own benefit, even though they were horrific, unconscionable experiments. And much of what we see in the drug industry is that. And guess what? Uh, the drug industry has pretty much infiltrated every level of government from federal, state, and local to the point where it's established itself as the state-sanctioned religion in America and much of the West. Modern medicine, pharmacia, sorcery, the Church of Pharmaceutical Mysticism, the United States of Drug America. How did we get here? And they want to keep us from the how do we get here as much as possible by erasing history. They don't even have to rewrite it necessarily if they just erase it and they could just point out dates, times and places and people and never connect anything, which is why I hated history as a child growing up in the government indoctrination centers, a.k.a. public schools. There was no cause and effect linked to anything. It was just like, hey, remember this date and time and place. And here's the guy I want you to know about what. But why? What is it connected to? How does it connect to the events that happened prior or the events that happened after? Oh, don't worry about that. Just remember that you'll get an A on the on the test. And then you come out and ignoramus about history other than dates, times, places, and not know why things are the way they are today. How did we get here? And as long as we don't know how we got here, there's no way to know how to change what you don't like today for tomorrow because you have no earthly ideas. Like, just happened. I just was born and dropped in and plopped in, and here I am, and this is the way it is. And there are a lot of folks on this planet that like to control you or me or any of us manipulate us through an erasing of history and a recognition or, or, or having us uh, believe or perceive that there is no cause and effect linked to anything. And how does this play out in modern medicine? We don't care why you're sick. We just know we have this drug. Take it. But I, I I'd like to break. I don't want it to keep at what well, that. Yes. You know, shut up, kid. You're bothering me. Just take the drug and go away. And for me and my journey at the tender age of 18 or 19 at Emory University in Atlanta, going through the pre-med program, I realized just as my uncle, the doctor warned me, don't become a doctor, you'll be miserable, is that if I did to other people what the doctors did to me, even if they meant well, poisoning me back to health all the while in my ailments and illnesses of childhood, and again, chronic illnesses outside of acute injury, which I've certainly had plenty of those, that I would then be on a path to neurological degradation, connective tissue degradation, cancer, et cetera, of which some of my ancestors, my previous generations have had, typically in their 60s or 70s, but some younger, realizing ultimately that they were killed by the treatment for those cancers, different things. I didn't know it was just what it was, except when I asked questions of those of my ancestry that were alive at the time I was a kid about their childhood were they sick like me? Asking my dad, were they, were you sick like me, dad? Were all your friends sick like me with allergies, borderline asthma, skin conditions, ear infections, always antibiotics, respiratory, da, da, on and on. Skeletal inflammation. Oh no, that's, you know, that's kind of weird. Uh, interesting. We had a cold or a flu once in a while and we'd be knocked out for a day or two and then we'd be on our way like nothing happened. Like, well, that wasn't my upbringing. That wasn't what I experienced. So what happened in the span of one generation? The doctors are loath to acknowledge that they have been a, uh, a significant part of the degradation of human health on planet Earth, not an enhancement to human health, although I'll acknowledge that acute trauma interventions and emergency surgeries to keep you alive if you've been shot by a bullet or hit by a bus is something warranted and, and valuable in terms of where allopathic medicine does shine and ha has a place. 
But the poison us back to health concept, it, it never makes sense, although we never stopped to think about it, or I didn't until I did. And part of the ability to do so was to reconnect to the source of all wisdom, which is recognizing that you are a spiritual being having a human experience in a body that is not you, but it is something you inhabit while you're here. And when you leave, you leave the body behind, but you are still you. Find it interesting that people say, I have a soul. I'm thinking, how do you possess what you actually are? Anybody think about that? I was like, oh yeah, that's kind of interesting. I am that. I am. What do you do with that information? Like we're here to have these experiences and we suddenly realize, hey, there's corruption. An entire industry that holds sway and control over much of our government to enslave us to a thought form that is not empowering, that is disempowering, but is profitable for those that either invest in Big Pharma or are part of it. And even doctors who mean well that are restricted to only writing a prescription for a toxic poison that is patented and very profitable for a unique industry that has grown far beyond its welcome on this planet as a primary means by which to address all things health-related. But then I come around to how this happened, and we look at this article in the show notes at robertscottbell.com today, and it's uh, through the uh, the Defender from uh, Children's Health Defense, a great article by Brenda Belletti. We've, now I'm starting to recognize these names because we use a lot of the, the articles from the Defender. It's great. I love what they're doing. It's a wonderful resource. Studies funded by, by pharma 30 times more likely to report higher efficacy estimates for drugs. Now, Super Don, correct me if I'm wrong, but wouldn't this be a classic case of a moment of duh that we used to do regularly? That this would actually fit it? It's like, and, and, and bear, bear with me and answer this question. Well, no, no. Now, let me explain this to you again here, because it, it would be a moment of duh for Robert Scott Bell. No, no, no. I but, but what? for somebody who's maybe new mm-hmm. to this way of thinking, yeah. somebody yeah. who's listening to this for the first time finally realized, oh, hey, there's something, something's not right. Yeah. I need to tune into this show because I've never heard of this before. And they get on here and then you basically call them a, 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 a moron no, because I they think, didn't know that. I think that, you're, you're <laughs> calling them morons for not knowing that. Not me. Here's why I say, okay, now hear me out. And you can still push back on this, okay? So uh, we, we, okay, all right. You're a, a company. You invest in a study that if the study turns out to be positive, you can make a billion dollars. Yeah, but not everybody understands that. There are some Rusty Humphreys out there uh-huh. that that don't believe that there's any corruption going on in government, that there isn't any corruption in the FDA. Okay, all right. That- so the, the Rusty Humphreys of the world are morons today then. Is that what we're saying? Have we concluded that? This is mean and nasty, and I, I I have to apologize. But come on, conflicts of interest don't matter. That's what you're telling me. They believe that conflict. If I point out, you they've know, drank, you have- they, they've drank the Kool Aid, and they just okay. believe that you know all the doctors they're they're all know what they're 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 talking about, and that the scientists are all honest, and that we need to trust in science. Drug induced moronic uh, realities. Okay, all right, I, I'm getting somewhere. I think I'm getting somewhere. So sorry. The, the, no, no, sorry. You don't have to apologize. <laughs> but this is where I think it is a moment of dub. because if you step back, let's just say you didn't know this, but once you are made aware of the uh, profound economic conflicts of interest in terms of big pharma and what it does and how it's captured our agencies, et cetera, 
then I think instantaneously you can be moved from, I didn't know to, well, duh. Right. Cause you know, in human behavior of like, if, if I'm going to make a ton of money by proving this study is this, yeah. you're going to yeah. go anything I can do to make that. Happen. You've got to be, you've got to be yeah. uh, skeptical about mm-hmm. everything. Sure. You know, I mean, not everybody, uh, you know, thinks that way. But if you're not invested in a total totality, uh, totality of, of materialistic reality, in other words, it's all about what can I get with the money? Da, da, da. Of then course. Maybe yeah. you'll step back and go, wait, wait, maybe it's wrong to do that. Maybe we should, you know, scientific qu- inquiry would be like, hey, I don't care which way it goes. I just want to know. Human nature oh. would would say that you probably would, no, would not want a pharmaceutical company mm-hmm. to fund their own uh, studies yeah just because humans have a tendency to be biased and and you know that's just sure. so you want something independent third party that's the way it should be anyway yeah and look yeah. i think we do a good job of acknowledging our bias your bias my bias and at the same time try to think critically about it and self-efface on the things that are like well i know i screwed up on that but i think at a certain point we come to realize that the desire for just stuff is hollow. It's empty. It's shallow. It's not fulfilling, but we are free to pursue that. The, the problem is when we deceive others in the process, enslave others, poison others in the process, I have a, a, you know, less tolerance for those doctors who remain quiet in the midst of what we uh, witnessed in COVID, you know, the poisoning of the population and even more than the poison. Now the MRNA injections and things. And I'm like, there are many of do- many doctors that are speaking out kudos to them. We welcome them with, with open arms, but there's still too many that are just blindly participating, putting their heads down because I don't want to lose my job. I don't know. And I understand the, the fear of that, but I think there are, there's a higher calling than just material comfort. Is, am I out of line here? No, you're not out of line. Yeah. Maybe <clears throat> we should ask our guest, our new friend here. If you're out of line. Yeah. Well, maybe not. I don't think she'll think so. Vanessa Elston, welcome to the Robert Scott Bell show. Hello, and thank you very much for inviting me on. I've been listening. You're saying all the things I agree with, I have to say. And it's delightful to hear somebody being so straight up about it already. How, how much did he pay you? Yeah. <laughs> how many pounds did it cost me? How much? Now, I, it, Super Don, I, she opened up her mic and started talking. Didn't you immediately go, ah, like that lovely... British accent, the, the calming voice, the energy that she's carrying. I'm just like, I needed this today. I think I'm sensing that. I think I you did. Yeah, I think you did. You were pretty hot under the collar right before the show. So. Yeah, about a bunch of things going on. But Vanessa, welcome to the show. And I can't wait to hear about your backstory of how you've come to similar conclusions, as you said, but with a lovely British accent. Oh, bless you. You're so flattering. It's lovely. I'll come back on anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what would you what would you like to know? Would you like to know my story about how big pharma nearly killed me? Well, I think that that you know similarly motivates us, right? To say, I believe in a place for you know anything and everything on the planet. For the most part, obviously, those things that are uh, done in deception, you know, with pure just greed and just malice and all those other things are like I'm not doesn't appeal to me. In fact, the opposite. Uh, but I said there is a place for modern medicine. There's a narrow place where it does shine and exist. It's appropriate. Outside of that, it's become a, a grand pr- criminal enterprise, maybe enriching some, but poisoning many. Absolutely. And, you know, I will be forever grateful for the team of surgeons that saved my daughter when she had a blood clot and nearly died and gave up their Christmases and did four major operations on her and kept her alive for me. So I absolutely agree with that. 
But when it comes to degenerative diseases and also, um, you know, the whole approach to how they're managed, it's always a case of, you know, prescribing, as you described, poisons that make you less worse as opposed to getting you better. And I'm all about total recovery. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, I wasn't trained in that thought form, you know, in the West. And England is part of the West. We know that there's a lineage and a, a commonality in terms of some of our history, whether you were born and raised in England or, the, or America. The medical model has dominated even the NHS system, even though uh, I, I rumor has it the queen and the prince and all of them and the king all use homeopathy, for instance, but very little support for it within your socialized single payer system. And same in Canada, even though we have a semi-free free market system, but not really in America. Uh, how did you break free of the thought form that modern medicine is the is the savior of the, the physical universe? Well, the thing is, I you know, as I say, um, the surgeon saved my daughter. And I was always brought up to believe that doctors, because they sign the Hippocratic Oath, I will do no harm, could be trusted. And, you know, on the back of that, Big Pharma could be trusted and that we were in safe hands until I was struck down with what they deemed viral arthritis, although they admitted that they really didn't know what happened. So, you know, one day I just woke up and I couldn't move. I couldn't move my neck, my hands. I couldn't get out of bed. And for everybody that gets out of bed with ease tomorrow morning, just be really grateful for that because we take it for granted. And when you can't, it's quite terrifying. So I was bouncing forward to the hospital. I had lots and lots of tests. And at the end of it, they said, you've got viral arthritis and we want you to take these horrible steroids and um, we'll see what happens. But they've got horrible side effects. So we're going to give you the steroids, but we're going to give you three other drugs. Great business model for Big Pharma, but didn't really seem to have my health at the center of it. And we'll see how you go. Um, oh, they'll make you feel sick and you won't be able to sleep. But, you know, you'll be, your swelling will go down and you, you should be able to walk a little bit. Yeah. And then after more tests, they said to me, well, it's degenerative and you're going to end up in a wheelchair. So what we're going to do is we're going to put you on a chemo drug, even though you haven't got cancer. And that's going to have even more side effects. So you've got to take a blood thinner, something to help you sleep, something to make sure that you eat. The list went on forever. And I just said, hmm. I'm sorry. One, I don't want a wheelchair as an accessory. Thank you very much. I'm an ex-gymnast and I will, you know, I, I've always been able to do a cartwheel and the thought of not being able to do that again is not something that I'm going to tolerate. And um, I'm not happy taking a chemo drug when I haven't got cancer. And I'm not happy with any drug that requires me to take five other things to deal with the side effects. I can't see anything positive for me here. I will be less worse, but I won't get better. So the universe has always been really kind to me. I'd always been a bit of a, you know, at this point in time, I'd enjoyed a career, I have to be frank, as a bit of a hard-ass businesswoman, you know. Mm. I interfaced with, you know, in a male industry of construction. I'd worked in fashion, which is even harder than construction. And, you know, I'd always been quite good at it until this point. 
And the universe was very kind to me through a, a friend that just happened to pop around for a cup of coffee when I was sort of propped up on cushions on my sofa sobbing, having heard, you know, that my only option was a cancer drug. She'd actually met a healer in Beirut on Zoom. Um, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Mm -hmm. Who had, you know, cured her issue. So she said, uh, I'll give you her number, but you won't be able to get an appointment for about eight weeks. So I said, <clears throat> well, that doesn't matter. I'm just going to message her now and i was so lucky i messaged her she just had a cancellation she said get on zoom now and let's let's talk about how i can help you how long it's going to take and you know for the first time somebody actually spoke to me about what was affecting my life and i think you hinted towards this earlier all my trips to the doctors nobody had ever said to me what's going on in your life the links right Contact. yeah yeah, you know, I just got divorced. Never a nice experience for anybody. My father had died. My best friend had died. Mm -hmm. And my sister had been diagnosed with cancer. You know, all of that had had a major effect on my very being, you know, and had had a physical re reaction. Because, again, in our society, we're very good. Well, we're taught to have a stiff upper lip in the UK, you know, and to just cope with things and say that we're fine. But they eat away at you and they affect you on, you know, it's mind, body, spirit, isn't it? And we need to think like that mm -hmm. in order to get well, in order to cure things. Yes. Well, the journey is such that uh, many people are going through similar paths, right? Everybody's got their unique experiences within that. But it, it comes, I think, a common theme, of course, is recognizing that there are things in life that we've done, even in ignorance, that manifest in a certain way. And our bodies are unique and different, each of us, that we have strengths and weaknesses. So the ailments that I experienced, is, you know, even though they're multiple and varied, are unique to me. Not everybody that has the same circumstances manifests that or sometimes even anything initially. And so that's also what's used as plausible deniability for the medical community to say, well, it can't possibly be what you say it is, Robert, in terms of toxins and deficiencies and drugs or else everybody would be having the same thing, but that's just not how it works. Bioindividuality, unique biochemistry, and there are commonalities between us all. So how long ago was were these experiences that you're describing in terms to, to shift your consciousness and what you're doing today? You know, you talk about suffering and then the awakening of like, my gosh, I am not suffering from a drug deficiency. I don't need chemo. Yeah. Um, well, it was about seven years ago, actually. And uh, once I'd actually been healed by um, Sophia, the healer in Beirut, mm -hmm. and um, she delivered some news to me, which was like, well, the reason you've been stopped in your tracks is because you actually are a really powerful healer. And you know this, you've been told it before. But I came from a business background, you know, a really religious family, and it just didn't scan, you know. So when I had been told by gypsies that knock on the door selling Heather and, you know, they touch your hand and they say, oh, my darling, you are a gifted healer. It was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, you're just trying to sell me more Heather or flatter me or what have you. So I'd always ignored it. But, um, you know, she said, if you don't actually follow your path, you're going to be ill again. And having been that ill, I wasn't willing to go there again. And I, I really embraced it. I was like, right, okay, then if this is my calling, if this is my purpose, you know, let's do it. And it was the easiest thing I'd ever done. You know, she'd say, oh, this will take you three weeks to do. 
take me three days. You know, can you, I don't know if you can see this now, be like, yeah, I can see that crystal clear. You know, we, we talk about, a lot of healers talk about auras. In quantum physics, they talk about the morphogenetic field. You know, I, I've been seeing it for years. And my sister and I always um, play around, you know, when we're in the dark, we can see our own fields and we can throw energy at each other. It's great fun. But, you know, you need to start thinking on a completely different level that you are an element of God in the 3D form and you've got access to everyone. You know, I'm not special. Every Anybody could do what I do. You just need to learn it. You need to learn how to access all the energy and all the gifts that are out there to really bolster us and to make us have a wonderful life on this planet. Yeah, the word healer, something I gravitated toward from early on, you know, and I read books about healers and healing. And I thought, well, I'm going to grow up and be a doctor because it was the only real model I had for quote unquote healer in the West, in the Western world until I realized there's a lot more to healing than just, you know, doctors and went into natural medicine, homeopathy. And of course that gets into quantum medicine, non-material medicine. That is quite, uh, let's say, I don't know if the counterintuitive is the right word, but when we uh, invest in the Western world in a materialistic reductionist view of, of the world and life itself and our bodies, it's very difficult to conceive that we could take something that yes, is measurable and can cause something to happen, including bad things in your body, take that and dilute it and shake it and dilute it and shake it. And somehow it's transformed into something else that helps us to heal. It's like on the thought, you're like, well, that's the craziest thing I ever heard. That's just, you're just diluting something that would, you know, might be causing a problem here, but it's not going to hurt you, but would it do anything at all? And, and so we are asked, I believe to come out beyond that physical construction the limitation to recognize we are so much more than physical molecules that we are energy beings, beings of light, beings of sound, sparks of God, divine creation. And that energy is very real. We don't dispute energy. I mean, everybody's talking about energy crises, energy wars. I want energy. I'm out of energy. Yet when we start talking about the fact that all matter is made up of energy at different levels of vibration, it's like this shouldn't be esoteric, you know, to talk about quantum fields, quantum physics, or even quantum entanglement, which is something you've engaged in from your hard-ass businesswoman background, as you described it, right? How yeah. You, that, was that leap difficult or did it wash over you and suddenly like, oh, yeah, of course. Well, you know, there's nothing like being stopped in your tracks and not being able to move and facing life in a wheelchair to make you open your mind and be open to anything. And I have to say, one of my gifts has always been that I, I don't question things that work. You know, I'm, I don't really care how it happens as long as it works. And I've always been like that. And I think that, you know, I, if I had a pound for every time somebody said I'm a snake oil salesman, I'd be incredibly rich. But read my testimonials. You know, I help an awful lot of people. And, and there's a great many people like me that help people. Unfortunately, we're in a non-regulated business. And there are some charlatans and people love bad news. But when people come to me, I don't want them to hang around. You know, it's like, well, how many times will I have to see you? And my message is always the least amount possible. I want to get you better. I want to get you happy. I want to get you optimistic and joyful and moving mm -hmm. forward with your life. You know, my specialism really is anxiety and depression because 
that's at the root of most things that are wrong with us. You know, being unhappy will make you ill. You mentioned uh, this word regulated in saying, unfortunately, we're not regulated. And I say, well, look at the regulated environment that we discussed, you know, prior, just setting this up. How many charlatans is, are in that? I would I would dare say more and more dangerous because they have the the perception is that, oh, well, they're regulated. It's OK. And they get away with a lot more than those of us who do not wish to engage in that yet have hearts of gold, I perceive, as you do to help people genuinely, but are relegated to this outcast status because you're not part of the club, the club that has become so corrupt that it's hard to find the good people in it. And even the good people in it are trapped so they can't do the good things that they wanted to do but when they went into it. So we've got to think beyond that quote unquote regulated environment to realize it is not as clear and clean as we thought it was or would like it to be. No, I totally agree. And, you know, regulated in in that, you know, if that's what regulated means, that you're um, an approved criminal, that you're an (laughs) approved pharmaceutical bandit, you know, I'd rather not be regulated. But what I do say to everybody is, you know, when you when you think about coming to see somebody like me, and if it's stepping outside of your norm, then read our testimonials and check out that the people that are making the testimonials are real people. And you can do that really easily on LinkedIn and social media these days. Um, and you know, a lot of people that have been cured by me are more than happy to talk to the doubting Thomases and say, give it a go, you know. It, it saved me. I, I've got a client spent 30 years in therapy. I mean, I did say to her, didn't you ever think about asking for a refund, you know, if you weren't getting better? <laughs> yeah. um, you know, 30 years, I'm a hell of a refund there, do I think. But in six sessions, I got her from, I mean, she'd been, they told her she got polymyalgia. Mm-hmm. She hadn't got out of bed for three months. She was really depressed. And, you know, in just a few sessions, she was out walking again. She was digging her garden, you know, and when we finished, she just said, I, I haven't I haven't ever felt this happy. Nobody ever asked me what was at the base of my unhappiness, what the trauma was that triggered all of this. And we when we got to that point, and that's what makes my, you know, I've earned a lot of money in the past. I've driven nice cars, lived in nice houses. None of it brought me joy, like the messages I get from people that all little videos, you know, hey, I'm out of bed, check this out, I'm hip hopping again, or watch this, I can top, you know, I can drop like Beyonce. That <laughs> that makes my heart sing. That that makes my work, you know, my work worthwhile. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. I, I just love it. So, how do people connect with you? We have your your website linked up at robertscatbell.com today. It's uh, Vanessa Elston. E-L-S-T-O-N.com. Uh, and you're in England normally. I know you're traveling a bit right now. And and there's no limitation, at least for now, our ability to communicate via these international uh, electronic means. Uh, like you probably did with whoever helped you originally from Beirut, as you described. Uh, pretty profound how small the world has become on our ability to communicate this way. Uh, is it something that people would reach out and say, hey, Vanessa, I, feel, I hear you, I feel you. I think you could help me. How do I access that? What do they do? Um, well, you can reach me via my website. You can reach me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, all the usuals. And, you know, let's ha- book a Zoom call with, you know, book a discovery call with me because 
Healing people is a very intimate, it's not like going to see a doctor where you get three minutes to tell them what your symptoms are. We're going to have a very intimate relationship and you have to make sure that you like me. I am a bit Marmite, you know, some people like me, some people don't. That's fine. But in 15 minutes, you can suss that out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, let's let I deal with people with PTSD, people that are getting over bereavement, people that have had sexual abuse in their life. You know, I'm unshockable. So just book a call and let's have an honest chat about where you are and where you want to be. And if I'm the person for you, you know, let's get started. And if I'm not, I can recommend other people that you might like better. And that's the way I roll, really. That's the way I operate. So I see on your uh, website, there's a, a, you know, at the top of the page, and I don't know, Super Don, if you could show it um, at uh, VanessaElston.com. Uh, there's a place to say book a discovery call at the top right-hand corner. Just click on that and you'll see. I think looks like testimonials also will pop up. You can hear from others that have uh, worked with you and, and gotten better. But uh, if anybody's so inclined and the spirit moves them, I, I love bringing these opportunities uh, where, you know, might have, you might have hit a wall, a ceiling. We talk about that all of the time. As much as I know, there's always more to learn. You know, and my, my wife and I joke about it. She's suffered for Oh, well over a decade now with trigeminal neuralgic pain ever since a dental extraction gone wrong and, you know, doing, doing the best to find a way to overcome that. And, you know, we look at each other each time we learn some news like, well, we've tried everything, but we haven't tried that. That's the joke, you know, because a lot of people will come to me with problems and they'll say, well, I tried everything. And then I begin to ask them questions about, well, what about this? What about that? And invariably they go, no, no, I had never heard of that. Nope, no. So the idea that there's always something else while you're still here in physical form to, to access, to utilize, uh, and, and, you know, there are great miracles waiting to happen. And, and very often we get so disappointed because we try so many things that maybe don't work and good for you for all trying, but not to give up if you cannot give up, if it's possible. And there are people that have, and I understand the, the severe anxiety, the severe depression, severe pain issues can often lead somebody to go, I can't live another day. Uh, and, and I have compassion for that, but I'd like to think that everybody has a path out of this mess. And it's not only about leaving the physical body permanently, that maybe there's ways that we haven't heard about yet. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I, uh, the thing I love about quantum is the more I learn about it, the less I know. And that's great because I'm on an ever-learning journey. You know, I work with wonderful people. I work with quantum scientists. Um, and I have been for a few for, well, for nearly a year now. And it's great because it actually explains what I do and it makes it non-woo-woo. Although quantum is, you know, a new science and it's it's gaining recognition, um, it's, it's actually always been perceived as, you know, you need to be able to understand algebra and all this sort of thing. You need to be terribly clever. You don't at all. You know, to grab the basics of quantum is that the power is within you. You can change your, your, well, you know, you can cure yourself, you can change your destiny, and you can do it today. You know, you don't have to wait for anything. And you picked up, you mentioned something, you know, about the material world. I hear all the time, you know, I'll be able to do that when I've earned more money, when I've got a bigger car, when, I'm, when I've got a bigger house. Those things won't make any difference to how you feel. If you want to make change, you need to start today. And the other thing I'd say is it doesn't matter how depressed 
you are. It doesn't matter if you're under the duvet right now, unable to get out of bed or unable to lose, leave your house. It's a transitory state. It can be changed. You will get better and you can enjoy life again. Mm-hmm. So are, are there, uh, let's say, any course coursework that you offer uh, maybe to teach people perhaps about their talents in healing, much less trying to help people directly with their healing that they're requiring or asking for? Uh, how do people learn things that you've encountered, uh, maybe opening them up to possibilities? Well, it's really interesting you should say that, actually, because I'm just in the in the process of putting together a course to teach people what I do, because it's all about sharing. And if we are going to take on Big Pharma, and if we are going to offer a solution that you know, gets you better as opposed to less worse, then people like me have really got to share what we do that's effective and quick. You know, what I do is very fast acting. You know, you don't have to be, we don't have to be, um, you know, together for six months to get you better. It could be as short as three or six weeks. So if you're interested in learning what I do, DM me and, you know, I'm, putting the, the course together at the moment. It'll be available in about a month. And it'd just be great to talk to anyone that's interested and hear why they why they want to learn it and what they want to do with it. You know, that means that we're, we're expanding, we're moving forward and like a quantum wave, you know, it's spreading joy and optimism in a world that's a bit fearful and miserable really at the moment. What's your, what's your sense uh, back in England? I know you're traveling right now in London particularly, or if, you, if you're in that heart of that city or nearby it, is is there any evidence of consciousness shift there, you know, because of what we've all been through? I, I see elements of it everywhere, but what has been your experience? Because you've also come from, again, high-powered business and things. Are there more conscious people do you see that you're encountering within those fields or are they just leaving them because it's just, it doesn't mean the same thing, that that that, that chase for material goods that it once did? Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of people leave corporate business. You know, it sucked their souls dry, frankly. And COVID made them realize that, you know, spending time at home, spending, regaining time with their family, quality time with themselves and their family has meant that they, you know, going back to the corporate office and fitting into that sort of dynamic has made them see very clearly that it's not for them. And particularly people that are my age, sort of, you know, I'm 59 now. Um, a lot of people have said, do you know what? I'm not going to hang around for my pension. We retire at about 65 in the UK. And they're like, well, I'm, I'm done. I'm out. And I want to do something different. And I've been really taken aback at how many inquiries I've had to learn what I do, which is why I've put this course together. Um, people want more. You know, and for some people it's religion, but for a lot of people they're looking for an explanation of, you know, there's more, there has to be more to life and there has to be more to the power that we each individually have. And then if we all come together utilizing that strength, what can we achieve in terms of raise consciousness? And they do say that if we can raise the consciousness of a country, just by 8%, then we'll change the trajectory of what's going to happen positively. And that's what I'd like to see. But I'm getting more and more inquiries because I think people are, they're they're feeling desperate right now. You know, our economies are crumbling, we're ill, we're unhappy, and people are searching for something that's going to lift them up again. 
Yeah, uh, I agree. I see it everywhere. Something that I've journeyed into uh, over the course of this lifetime with loads more to learn. And uh, I, I do my best to enjoy the journey in the midst of, you know, we were chatting, Super Don and I before the show, and we were chatting before the show about like, there are times even in the midst of the consciousness that we've, you know, acquired, worked so hard to get that we'll still get a little angry or frustrated or depressed about, you know, the world and what's going on. And I think not hiding or running from that, acknowledging it, maybe allowing that to process through and having good people in your life. Like I got super done. I can vent, he can vent and we we're like all good, right? Much better. And you having a nice discussion with you feeling, ah, yeah, I like that. Ah, oh, that was great. This is great. There are folks that are all around the world that are seeing and feeling and experiencing similar things in their own way. And that is causing that transformation that happens to us, for us, to impact others around us. And that we don't have to be the president of the world to affect change just by being who you are, a divine spark of God and living that truth that you have found. You have an impact that may be invisible to others through the quantum fields, right? Uh, simply just by smiling, walking through a room. You never know the, the lives you touch sometimes. Sometimes you do. Sometimes they come back and say, Vanessa, thank you. Sometimes they come, Robert, thank you. And, and Super Don, thank you. We love that, but it doesn't always happen. But the reality is your life impacts even when you're not aware of the impact you are having. I totally agree with that. And, you know, <clears throat> I try and stay away from the people that, and, and business is all about this. What's in it for me? What do I get? You know, I I want to deal with people. What's your cause? You know, what do you want to, what do you want to deliver for the world? Mm -hmm. What's your purpose? And let's work back. Let's backtrack from there. You know, what's your purpose? What do you want to achieve? And then the how will it will just appear. We don't need to be how-centric, you know, how and what. It's like, what? what's your cause? You know, now, what is it that you want to achieve on a high level of consciousness? What's the good thing? Forget about money. Money will come. If you're doing the right stuff, if you're promoting everything through joy and optimism, the money will come to you. Money's just an energy and it's, we're in a world, I am so sick of the materialism. I hate Christmas because it's all about spending money and it should be all about coming together and celebrating life really, shouldn't it? Yeah. And, you know, my children will tell you, I'm, I, I banned plastic years ago and no child that I come into contact will... Um, ever get a plastic toy for me we've got to take responsibility you know look at everything that you're consuming what impact does it have on the planet mm -hmm. and more importantly when it comes to the end of its life what impact is it going to have on the planet how recyclable is it i mean i cannot believe that most people aren't even thinking about the quantity of stuff that's going into landfill. And they think because we stick it in the ground that it's disappeared and it's not going to come back and affect us. I live in England, it rains. You know, it's going to leach out of there into our soil. I live in an agricultural area. We know we've got plastic in the soil now. We've got plastic in the sea. And we know that plastic causes cancer. So start thinking about everything you buy, people, because even your Starbucks coffee, is having a major impact, not just on today, but on the future for you, your children, 
and the family you haven't had yet. Yeah, and think about the landfill our bodies have become. Oh, the garbage in uh, unconsciously. And this has been part of my journey, recognizing that and cleaning up and doing better. I can't do everything and I've got to make peace with that just as we all do. But the inspiration that I get from having you on the show is something that uh, I feel great about being able to feature you. And I hope you feel good about being able to communicate what you do and who you are. Uh, it's really a lot of fun to do this. Oh, I'm so grateful to come on here and, you know, be able to talk to your audience. It's lovely. And, and thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah. And for those of you catching this later on UK Health Radio, you have a wonderful, wonderful soul there in the London area, Vanessa Elston. Check out VanessaElston.com. And if anywhere around the world, you have the ability to access it directly electronically and tap into what she's doing. If you're resonating as such, go and uh, request a discovery call. Thanks, Vanessa, for being here again. I appreciate you so much. My absolute pleasure. And thank you very much for inviting me on. I love what you're doing. I love the fact that you're angry about what Big Pharma are doing to us. And anytime I can come on and help you help your rebellious cause, please call me. I'm there at your disposal. <laughs> thank you, Vanessa. That, that's great. I love that. Uh, my gosh, what a journey we're on. And, and how, how much... Uh, we can uh, connect and align with people we would never have connected with in, in, in a million lifetimes today to come together like this. And I thank you, Vanessa, for being on board. And uh, I can see the tenacity in her as well. Uh, but, you know, the emotions that we feel are real. There's nothing uh, supposedly say, wrong with them. It's just part of the experience. Allow them to percolate. Find people that don't re are not reviled at the fact that you have emotions and that can allow you to express them and not necessarily judge them or suppress them. But go, you know what? I, I feel it. I feel you. <laughs> and I love you no matter what in that regard, too. So thank you, Vanessa, for being on board. Y'all check it out. VanessaElston.com is the website linked up at robertscatbell.com. Another guy, uh, I, I, another soul I love very much, uh, Michael Bolden, scheduled to join us an hour or two from the 10th Amendment Center. And uh, just enjoy it. But again, UK Health Radio, y'all, you got a great, 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 great someone, let's just say a special someone there among many others, probably. I haven't been back to England in a long time. I hope I can make it back there again uh, to say hello to some family and friends and make new friends as well. So thank you for that. All right, Super D, uh, you survived a little quantum healing discussion. How you feeling, brother? You okay? Is your your mind blown? Is okay? You did pretty, pretty well, I think. I went and made a sandwich. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> God, <laughs> for the material. There you go again taking us from this wonderful place and just like right to the belly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know. I know. Yeah. Silly. You, so silly. you want to tackle a question of the day before we hit the end of the hour or three, we've or got three to go to. Yeah. Let's uh, bring that up and see where we go. Let's see how we do. All right. In the show notes, uh, you can see the questions of the day. This was from yesterday. We didn't get to, I believe this is from Yolanda. Hi, Robert and super Don. All right. Super Don, you're not off the hook on this one when they refer to you as well. Uh, she says, my son-in-law has been having pain in his muscles for a couple of years. He went to see a neurologist. They haven't figured out why yet. He says his muscles feel like they are always tight. Have you ever heard of this? If so, any suggestions to help him? All right. So starting point, yes, of course, now I've only, now I've not only heard of it, I, you know, I've seen it, witnessed it. I maybe have experienced things like this. Uh, and there are a lot of answers to that question because <laughs> there are a lot of reasons you may be experiencing this that are different and unique than me or Super D. 
as far as your uh it's weird that it's been going on for a couple of years um went to see a neurologist they haven't figured out why yet so it's Mm -hmm. like muscles are tight yeah uh i mean first thing that comes to mind is there is there a, a mineral deficiency going on here sure um maybe a maybe a magnesium situation um yeah that very good super don and and considering the second part of the the question uh it goes into something related to assimilation and and nutrient deficiency if you can go full screen on that uh question because i can get to that um it's she says also my husband had to have a feeding tube in his stomach now uh, it sounds like there are two different people here in terms of son-in-law and husband and we'll get to that but even if you don't have a feeding tube, the malabsorption, the digestive problems that are legendary in our Western world uh, due to toxicological burdens, compounding nutrient deficiencies result in, you know, whether it's magnesium or magnesium and copper, right? Copper has been that missing component that we've now integrated safely with the sovereign copper, Yolanda, for your, your son-in-law. That may be a difference maker in terms of muscular regeneration, skeletal regeneration to get past that. Now, we also... Um, uh, just the other day, we're at a meeting and met a, uh, I've known him for a while, but a uh, chiropractic neurologist. This guy is like a total scientific nerd egghead. He's awesome. Like, we were loving it. And he has some, I, in fact, I'm going to try and coordinate getting him on the show to talk about things like this because he has perspectives that are quite unique and holistic in the midst of all the science that he's engaged in, just as much as a, a, an allopathic neurologist is in many ways, he he knows to that level, but has other methods of addressing this. Hydration is another thing, Super Don. The echo water, the hydrogen that dissolved into the water can facilitate so much of that uh, relaxation of the musculoskeletal system, the antioxidant capacity, the cardio miracle as a vascular uh, support and also the utilization of, uh, of other things that are not being utilized because of pathway compromised due to a number of things, including vitamin D stored, but not used. So there's a lot to that uh, liver congestion, other things that can be uh, addressing that. But I'd say magnesium copper would be two things immediately to look at uh, silicon or silica also for connective tissue is another mineral. We get that from choose to be healthy.com. The Alta silica, he has the sovereign copper as well as the mega food magnesium. And I do one to two tablets morning, one to two tablets at night, depending on my needs. Although I, I express the caveat going back to the last, uh, the time we had Dr. Brian Artis on after Dr. Batar's death, we talked about one, one unique circumstance or set of circumstances that might contraindicate magnesium supplementation temporarily goes into the poisoning of the body and the pathways of these poisons, whether they be considered uh, a pharmaceutical snake venom peptides or otherwise. Uh, I want to acknowledge that even though it's a hard thing to to grasp fully, Super Don. Mm -hmm. So open wound, healing slow. Okay, so now we're on to, yes, her husband. Go ahead and full screen that again for me. Thank you. Feeding tube in his stomach, uh, they removed it, leaking. Uh, it's not healing. Okay, so this is where. Well, now, now, of course, it, it says here it it is an open wound and is healing. Yes, but, but the, the hole, hole where the tube was still leaks. leaks. Yeah. How long has it been? It says here it was removed around May first. Wow. Okay, so it's been over a month. Yeah. So it, we've got sluggish healing, which in, which indicates poor circulation to some degree mineral deficiencies to some degree, and yet to utilize the Sovereign Silver or Argentum 23 first aid gel is so indicated in this situation. I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've been 
through with people that had wounds and some severe. I remember uh, we call her, I think, Molly the Israeli from Miami. I don't know if she listens to the show anymore, but she had a wound that would never heal. And I said, you've got to get on that silver gel topically. You also look to the connective tissue minerals like silica or silicon. And now even the copper, which is playing a huge role there. And remember, zinc is important for repair, but zinc in the absence of copper is problematic because zinc does stuff with no reg so by regulation. Copper regulates the zinc activity. Copper makes zinc do what it's supposed to do, but no more than that, which is partly of a regenerative and healing process. But copper is the missing element in most cases because people are taking zinc, they're taking C, and they're not eating copper-rich foods, they're not eating liver or supplementing, they're not eating bee pollen, whatever it is. And so to get that liver uh, or that uh, copper back in you will accelerate as well, systemically and also locally, the regeneration of tissue. Uh, so, but the silver gel and the silver spray in the area, it will accelerate that wound recovery. I've seen it with diabetic wounds and ulcerations that don't heal. Suddenly the silver is facilitating that regeneration. Going back to my discovery through Dr. Robert Becker's great book, The Body Electric. That's what got me on the silver uh, regenerative uh, wagon, so to speak. And, and since then, utilizing the bioactive silver hydrosol internally and externally. Okay. All right. So we got two more. Do we... Do them now, or are we going to come back? And yeah, uh, Bolden, Bolden is rebooting. He says okay. he'll be here, and so I think we've got a, a couple of minutes here. Okay, so part two from Yolanda is a separate question. She's not hogging the questions because she had one yesterday we couldn't get to, so there are two today for Yolanda. Hi, Robert and Super Don. My three-year-old granddaughter has low vitamin D. What do you think would cause this, and would you give her a supplement? Well, again, I question the vitamin D tests. Do they determine what may be present and stored in the body, but not being utilized, you know? Is this little child getting adequate sun exposure? Question, you know, are they hiding this child from the sun because they're afraid of the sun? What other dietary issues may be involved in terms of deficiency, metabolic deficiency that wouldn't allow her, for instance, to convert stored vitamin D into the active state if she is getting adequate sun exposure? So I have more questions than I have answers here, but, is it okay to give a little bit of uh, cardio miracle to a three-year-old? I wouldn't give the same adult dose. It's not necessary, but proportion it down and give a little bit. It tastes great. I don't think there'll be any problems, nothing in it that would be harmful to a three-year-old. And that would facilitate the vitamin D activation that it might, might be metabolically not happening due to other things we're not aware of. So Yolanda, if you can get me more details on this child, was this child vaccinated? Has this child been on an antibiotic? What's the diet? How organic? How much synthetic glyphosate-containing pesticide-laden foods? These are all the questions I would ask to go further from the moment forward, Yolanda. So thank you for asking that. Uh, one more question. This is from... Oh. Bill. Bill. You know what? We can do this in hour two because I see Michael Bolden's joining us, and I don't want to miss a moment of Michael Bolden, if you don't mind. But we'll, we'll answer this with Michael Bolden. Because it's a food question. And okay. as far as I know, Michael Bolden likes to talk about food. Well, it's did kind you, of a food question, I guess. Oh, and by the way, can you get, or maybe I can send it to you, but can, did you see the picture that I posted yesterday from dinner <clears throat> on Instagram? No, I did not. Uh, okay. On the top of the hour. Ed, you took a picture of your dinner? 
not just the dinner. <laughs> no, no, not the dinner, but the, what happened after the dinner that I ate. Oh, yeah. all right. I'll have to dig that up during the oh, break. And if you can't find it, I'll send it to you and we'll talk food okay. as well as all kinds of awesomeness with our friend Michael Bold of the 10th Amendment Center. Once again, thank you to Van Vanessa Elston from England. What a fun, fun interview that was. That was really nice to have today. And uh, we're almost to the weekend, y'all. But uh, hang out with us because Michael Bolden's up next because the power to heal is yours. All right, I've just uh, been distracted as I'm starting the hour two show by uh, uh, an Instagram post by my buddy Laban Ditchburn. Uh, he went out to the range, the outdoor range with my son, Elijah, and uh, I'm just looking at all the things that they were doing out there on the range, and uh, I don't know if you can grab those things, Super D, but I know Michael Bolden would be having a blast with that too. Uh, there's so much fun to, to be had on this planet in the midst of a lot of things that we're like bummed out about occasionally, like before we started the show today. I'm just like smiling now going, yeah, there's joy in life too, right? Not that I forget, but, you know, momentarily lapses, you know, things like that. Uh, anyway, but did you see that lovely picture I sent you? I, I did. So this is post-meal. Yes. 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 Oh. Uh, is, this, is this organic cheesecake? This is, well, here's the thing. It's called an organic uh, lemon cheesecake, oh. no, organic cream lemon cheesecake pie. It's like oh. the weirdest thing, but the loveliest thing, because it's not heavy like cheesecake. It's light and fluffy and, oh, so good and not overly sweet. Whoever this is, and I asked at the restaurant that we go to that's all organic, I was like, who is this person that's, you know, creating these these pies and where are they? so that I can kidnap them and take them home. And I'm not into kidnapping. But in this case, I like I made an exception. Pie. Give me pie. Uh, Leslie, where are you? Leslie, we got the RSB union. Uh, uh, she had me at pie, organic pie. And uh, perhaps Michael Bolden could be gotten that easily as well. I'm not sure. Mm. We'll ask him in a moment. But yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. I'm grateful. I did. I saw the video, the Laban Ditchburn video too, because I went over to Instagram before you sent that to me. Oh, and that was the first thing that popped up. And so. I didn't get to watch only the first <laughs> ten seconds of it, but I'm like excited to see it. You know? Yeah. Well, he he's drawing an analogy uh, between um, dating in your 20s and 30s mm -hmm. and finding the right caliber of gun that you want to have. Now that's an analogy I want to hear about. Um, yeah, and so on, he's got this table in front of him, and he's trying out the different calibers of gun to decide on which one. And he, he compares it to dating your in your twenties and thirties. Dude, this will be interesting. Maybe we can show <laughs> that later. I don't know, but uh, <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe we can ask Michael uh, Bolden about dating as well. Dating uh, insights. Oh, there you go. Dating advice from Michael yeah. Bolden. I, oh, you I, never know what he knows. He knows a lot. I, I you know, that's a side of him I, I know nothing about. I'm prepping him just in case he wants to run away right now. For all he was all ready to sit here and teach us about Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. And instead, instead, we're going to talk about uh, uh, dating advice and UFOs <laughs> and pie. And pie, but, of course. All right. Pie. Are you ready to get started with Michael Bolden? Let's bring him in.
still has the best intro since you created one for Dr. Batista. You know, it makes I, I feel like he should be like a professional wrestler, like coming out, you know, getting ready to wrestle <laughs> him. in, in yeah. WrestleMania or something, right? If his back is recovered, maybe. <laughs> Oh, and he, did he freeze or is he freezing? Uh, no, he's, he's doing that freezing. on purpose. He's, he's so doing cute. that on purpose. He's so yeah. adorable. Michael Bolden, welcome back, my brother. All right, let's talk about pie and dating on UFOs. <laughs> it's the perfect. You want a perfect first date? Yes. Take your potential loved one for a bite of pie on our new UFO. That's right. <laughs> While testing the different calibers that you can shoot. Well, no, that's later on. Oh, that's you have later. to, you have to tell, I don't know that. how they're testing out those calibers. Uh, mm. If he's comparing it to dating, but uh, I guess everyone has their own choices. Working up to that. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Wow. Well, all right. I, I'm so ready to go wherever right now, especially. Just, you don't get past a 38 on a first date. Yeah, that's a good good rule of thumb. <laughs> good rule of thumb. So uh, again, the pie was great, uh, just a beautiful thing. Uh, and I'm not into kidnapping, but it was like it crossed my mind. Yeah, just saying, uh, you know. And everybody's safe. I won't actually do it, but uh, I don't get pie that often. But when I do, it's like I want to show. I'm like, yeah, it's a special experience. It's one of those little things that I go, I appreciate that. Was that my opening? Because I'll start talking about Jefferson <clears throat> and and his love of pie or dating. <laughs> let's talk. Let's let's talk politics for a moment. Okay. okay. A, uh, a a topic that's near and dear to my heart because there was a time uh, back in the day when I really was enthusiastic about a third party prospect for president of the United States, mm -hmm. uh, and it's being thrown around again. There's an article out of the Wall Street Journal saying uh, don't count. A third party out in 2024. Mm. Uh, you've got a huge chunk of people that aren't really all that excited about Biden running for president among Democrats, even. Okay. Yeah. You've got a bunch of people that really aren't all that interested in Trump running again. So uh, <clears throat> it, it's that South Park uh, episode, you know, between a, a what it was it a, a a giant douche and a turd sandwich. <laughs> uh, you know, which one do you pick, right? Mm -hmm. um, what are your thoughts, Bolden, on the possibility a of a uh, a third party candidate being successful and run for president, and b is it something you would somebody you would would you vote for a third party candidate? I have never voted for president. Well, okay. Mm -hmm. I tried once for Ron Paul in 2008. Uh, I submitted a registration. I held my nose because I started my activism uh, at the time of uh, the Iraq War and Patriot Act and things like that. So I held my nose and I said, OK, I'm going to register Republican. I went to vote at my local station, wherever that was. And they told me, oh, you're not on the roll. I know I had sent it in by overnight mail. They tell you you can't do overnight, but it's a government agency. I saw it was delivered like a month in advance. And they told me I wasn't on the roll. Here's a provisional ballot. I filled that out three to six months later. I can't remember how much longer it was. I got a letter from the Secretary of State here in lovely California to say, we're sorry to say we could not find you in our rolls and uh, your vote was not You were protected counted. from voting. Uh, yeah, I was, we, and so have, back back into the back shadows the you went right back, back to the question though <laughs> all right we got to pause pause on the question because my son just walked in with oh him. i thought we were watching him on instagram no he's actually here uh say hi to michael yeah. hey mike i love you man good to see you you have a story to tell before we carry on so this just went shooting earlier this is a fragment of a 22 long rifle 
just the bullet itself. Well, that's a first date. Yeah, that's a first date. 22 long rifles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for a uh, 22? Yeah, yeah, you got to work up. You're not going to go right to a 45 or a Kimber 40. Gosh, I mean. Why are you sharing that little tiny piece of lead? Well, we managed to find it, and we shot it, so it's kind of <laughs> neat. This is what it looks like when a bullet is fired and hit something. So did you see Laban did a, a, an Instagram post about dating and different calibers? I filmed it. You were. The I was going to say, I thought that was him in the shadow there. Okay, so I haven't watched <clears> it yet, so I can't comment or ask you questions about it, but I'll, I'll review it after the show probably. And the first thing we shot today was the 50. You went right to the 50? First shot of the day, 50 BMG. See, there you go. That's Making my kind of dating right there. Right there, yeah. <laughs> Sounds romantic. <laughs> you got to come up and visit. That's true. Michael Bullen heard it from my son. you got to come up and visit. So, All right. The decree has been made. Carry on, my, fr- my son. <laughs> that All is right. pretty cool. So let's talk about <clears throat> this third-party thing. I find it very interesting. I actually follow a lot of this stuff from the sidelines. At least, I, you know... I kind of geek out. It's my sports in a way. I watch to see which team is doing what. I check the polls at Real Clear Politics and 538. I look at the news. I'm very interested in what Kennedy and Trump and DeSantis and Biden. I, you know, I just want to hear what they want to generally want to do to us in most situations. Um, but I'm, you know, let's go back to the Jeffersonian thing. I'm kind of a Jeffersonian if I'm running the Tenth Amendment Center because Jefferson considered the foundation of the Constitution to be the Tenth amendment the structure of delegated and reserve powers and he told us in 1798 that the vote the bums out strategy is only to be used in response to a situation where government is still within the bounds of the constitution but you just don't like that the policy that they're doing he said the change of the people is the constitutional remedy but jefferson told us that where government assumes power is not delegated to it so that's constantly here 24 7 365 they're doing something at some level somewhere all the time to violate the constitution he said a nullification is the rightful remedy so i'm kind of i've got my hands full on that so i watch it with interest i generally don't think a third party is viable i don't even think uh i mean rfk says a lot of really interesting things and i think it was interesting to hear uh Emar talking about him i wish he would have dropped the whole just join the republican party message right. but because there are areas of agreement uh mm-hmm. and kennedy is that kind of old school democrat that tends to be against foreign interventionism against surveillance uh you know against big corporate and government partnerships He's an environmentalist. Yeah, he's he worked with Pete Seeger, one of my favorite musicians of all time, for like 15 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether they clean up the Hudson, something like that. So he's well known in that realm. And I don't, you know, the fact that they don't even want to have him in the debates, even though he's polling close to 20%, I think that says so much. The same type of thing happened with Ron Paul so many years ago. You're just a kook. You should go to another party. Uh, you don't belong here. And we don't want to talk to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, sooner or later, if he keeps uh, gaining traction, they're they ignore them they're going to look pretty bad but it is pretty interesting to me who do they say a, a super d did they say what kind of a third party candidate they were <clears throat> i mean the lp has ballot access all over the place so someone could use that as a vehicle uh i'll be honest i didn't get a chance to read this in mm. depth um okay. i i liked the just you know the uh General the topic. prospect of it yep. and you know they actually reference here you know if you look back here at ross perot when he yep. ran back in 92 uh he got almost 20 percent of the vote which interestingly enough is what rfk jr is kind of doing that right now yeah. at this point 
And if you talk about what happened with his dad, I mean, who was just shot, I think it was on uh, the 5th. So this day, the same day that he did the Elon Musk interview on Twitter, which I listened to over, it was a long one. So I spread it out over a couple of days, but it was really interesting. A lot of fascinating conversation in that. And I think his dad was pulling at close to zero and then he won the California primary and then got shot. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, (laughs) weirder things have happened like Jimmy Carter, for example. Yeah, Yeah, no, he came out uh, out of nowhere. The the big thing was, and I was in Georgia as a kid at the time, not a voting age. uh, But it was like, Jimmy who? Like, where did this guy come from? That was the thing. And uh, although he was part of the trilateral commission, there was a lot of insider stuff. He was in the the Navy on a submarine. It wasn't like he was a total outsider, part of the so-called establishment, but he did come up out of almost nowhere and go, all right, now he's president. How did that happen? Yeah. Uh, And, and, you know, arguably, I guess you could go a a Southern guy that was just kind of didn't seem threatening after (laughs) the Nixon and then Ford debacle. It was sort of like, Okay, this is where we went. He seems nice, doesn't right, he? Right. No, oh, I think Jimmy Carter probably is a very nice human being. I know he. I don't know if he passed already, but they. I know they. Announced he's in. I believe he's in hospice. He has yeah, a so he's up. he's yeah. close. But and, I think I, have, I think he's a guy who actually cares about other humans, whether he sucked at a. He's been doing Habitat for Humanity for, for ages. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. done some things. Yeah. Even though you look and and you can critique him and criticize him for a lot of things, as any president could be critiqued and criticized. Uh, he actually, I've met him a couple of times in my young younger life and back at, at, at university he was a visiting professor uh also and he came in and spoke to our athletic group at one point and just you know, a little small classroom he came and spoke but again again nice guy genuinely nice guy habitat humanity what are you going to critique on that that's a that's a real nice ground grassroots people, people volunteering to help yeah. others yeah, that's destroying cool. all those trees building those houses <laughs> yeah exactly okay you found something you found something you anti-environmentalist so. Uh, look, I, I this my is- friend, my friend Jeff Dice, who used to be the president of the Mises Institute, now he's with Monetary Metals in Arizona, I think, as their legal counsel. But he made a comment, interestingly, uh, on Twitter that I thought that kind of struck me. He's like, you know, more presidents should be more like Carter, and I forget who is the one that he mentioned before that from decades ago. Once they're done in office, you know. Get your nose out. Just, you know, do your try to do something positive with your name recognition. And I don't think Jeff would be any type of a Carter fan as far as policy because he's an Austrian economist, believes in pure free market. But I think that's a really good, uh, good way to look at things. Well, one of the things they point out in this article is how the biggest political group in America isn't the Democrats or Republicans. Independents, right? It's the unaffiliated. Yeah, Yeah, Or non-voters even. Non-voters might be number one. And to me, a lot of people say, well, if you don't vote, you you, you know, you got nothing to complain about. I actually have been saying for years the other way around. If you've been voting for these people, you got nothing to complain about. You and George Carlin would have gotten together along really well because he says the exact same thing. Did he? I never heard that one, but that's an awesome one. But I, I, you know, uh, in some ways, you hear people say, well, oh, these people don't care. They're not voting. And maybe they don't care. But also, maybe there's no one there with enough enough of something good that motivates the people to get on board with them. Which oh, is what you saw happen when Perot ran in 92. Yeah. Is what you Absolutely. saw when, when, when Ron, Ron Paul, Paul was running. Mm-hmm. You had people. I was there uh, shoulder to shoulder with a lot of these people. Old people, young people, yep. people that had been disenfranchised and hadn't voted in years that were I out registered there to vote, holding signs. Yeah, exactly, That's exactly. Funny. And, and I, I, I sense a little bit of that with Bobby Kennedy right now. 
Uh, you know, as we see people that may have been even Trump supporters going, I, I like Bobby Kennedy. Well, yeah, there's a lot in common. Good example. We didn't play this on the, or did we play this on? I can't remember now. I think I just played it for you, but it was uh, Greg Gutfeld on, on Fox News. Yeah, we played it yesterday. We did play it on the air. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you familiar with Gutfeld on I Fox mean, News? Other than the name, yeah. no. Okay. He just went on for like two and a half minutes just talking about how awesome RFK Jr. is and how he might have to change his party affiliation so that he can ah. vote for him in the primary. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Now, I, I believe he was being honest. Um, but, yeah, yeah I, I could see something like that happening, you know, with RFK Jr. And I, I think, think there's, saw- a, there's a hunger for it out there. I People think we saw a bit that. of that. There was, if you watch the polls and things like that, that I did as well back in uh, the last round, there were a lot of people who waffled back and forth between Trump and Bernie Sanders. I think yeah, it's unusual waffling between those two. Yes. But yeah, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the people are very, very hungry for even whether it's perception or reality, just somebody who isn't part of the team. Like an outsider, right? Just you know, this anybody. Is a- That's why John McCain was seen as a maverick. But the, I mean, like they were people have been desperate for a change for a long time. Well, I, I, I since we're we're talking about mavericks, mm-hmm. uh, tell me how excited are you that Chris Christie has jumped into the race? <laughs> I just saw that yesterday. I held yeah, back I on tweeting. The now. guy's a monster. <laughs> Oh, my God. He jumped into the race and they announced it. I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. Who's going to vote for Chris Christie? There are probably some. He's such a narcissist. He's in he's in the race to to be in the race. And because he's got this this complex about Trump that he thinks that he's like, he's the guy that's going to take him down. Like the only thing you're going to take down is the donut shop. Maybe a pie. We could get him on organic. Absolutely. Maybe it'll help. I don't know. Hey, when's the last time you had an organic pie, piece of pie there? I have been looking for months. Have you? Well, as make well one. does an oatmeal cream pie count? Like two oatmeal no, cookies no. with cream in They no. call it an oatmeal cream pie. It was organic. That's called a moon pie, isn't it? Well, semi-moon pie, but yeah. I, no, it was, I had pie adjacent about six months ago. A fluffy, uh, oh, nope. yeah. And it was nope. just like, yeah. So, this is the kind of thing we're planning to do at the RSB Family Union because Leslie has promised organic, uh, not what was it, not gluten free, gluten free pie as well. Organic but gluten food. is delicious. I like gluten too, and but then again, I have to give props to Leslie and others that do know how to do the non gluten. I have eaten it, like my brother. Gluten. My brother yeah. has a horrible gluten intolerance. Yeah, uh, my mother has a pretty bad one as well. But I see my brother much more often, and so I eat a lot of gluten free stuff if I if he comes over and we make him some food. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, yeah, I prefer gluten. I I do too. Although that you know if when you're talking about heirloom variety grains and wheat that have normal levels of gluten as opposed to the hybridized oh i was talking about the bad unhealthy stuff oh <laughs> uh, no i can't do it can't do it how dare you so again incentivizing michael bolden for a visit uh organic pie and 50 bmg you know oh, man. range there you go same leslie says you you've never had my pie bolded i'm in i mean i'm not saying i wouldn't enjoy it i yeah. just generally say please a little more gluten all right moving on moving oh, on we have to move on okay. did you see this article from reason i did uh, apparently a majority of young um, younger american adults the, like the gen z people 
mm-hmm. 29% love Big Brother, apparently, and they have no problem with these uh, in-home government surveillance cameras. Like Amazon Mon- Ring and things like that, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. What, what's going on with that? I think it's like any program. Once you implement it, you start it out, there seems to be a lot of opposition, like TSA full body scanners. And then after a while, they just become normalized or like uh, Social Security or Obamacare. You don't who's talking about resisting Obamacare anymore. It just becomes part of the system. And then eventually people say, well, if you don't if you want to get rid of this, you're crazy. And I'm sure we'll start hearing in the next few years, if you don't want Amazon partnering with over 600 law enforcement agencies, which I think that the last time I saw the number was about two years ago, it was around 600 law enforcement agencies where they provide access sometimes to, to live feeds and things like that without a warrant. Did you, do, you, do you see this, though? I'm looking at I'm reading this and I'm going, you've got to be kidding me. This yeah, is I not this it's, is not just like, oh, they like to have. You know, uh, their Xbox or or their their TikTok or or whatever. You know, their Google Maps or whatever. Let, let, look at this here. Twenty nine percent of Americans under thirty favor the government installing surveillance cameras in every household in order to reduce domestic violence, abuse, and other illegal activity. Yeah, people are insane. Uh, there's what? probably at least that many who want the government controlling every aspect of health care for <laughs> using Obamacare as an example. I think it always starts with they implement something. There's a segment of the population who oppose it. If they focus their entire opposition on trying to get the government to stop doing the things that the government wasn't supposed to do in the first place, they never stop it. And then it becomes part of society. And then you get another part of population who says, well, now we need more. Let's look at the the Second Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms. Uh, they're under the Constitution. I would say the number we can look to is the number zero. That's the number of gun control laws that are authorized to the federal government under the Constitution. This includes National Firearms Act of 34, the Gun Control of C- Control Act of 68, everything else, 86, 2018, the most recent garbage they've given us. But the fact that so many people were okay with the first version of it in 1934, we shouldn't be surprised that it just becomes part of day-to-day life. Oh, I'm a law-abiding American, no more gun control. Well, they already have a bunch already on the books. And once you establish what the founders called the detestable precedent, this was the phrase that John Dickinson, the penman of the revolution used, the detestable precedent. It doesn't matter how small that precedent is, they're going to use it for more and more and more. And because we know fear is the foundation of government power, there's always going to be ways that people are frightened and begging government to do more of what they've already done. So I think they established the precedent. Then some people just think it's too difficult to deal with. And then you've got a segment of the population who beg for it. And that's probably what we're going to be seeing when it comes to surveillance, which is crazy. What do you think, Robert? Isn't that a crazy? I mean, I just I'm, I'm looking at that. And I'm going, you've got to be kidding me. Twenty nine percent. Well, please, we, please put a camera in my house. And keep me you, safe. What would they have said back in 1934 if they said, you know, you passed this National Firearms Act. Eventually, they're going to be pushing the Second Amendment president is going to push red flag laws. Yeah. I mean, they would say, you're crazy. That'll never happen. I used to say Robert was crazy for saying they were going to use the Real ID Act to track people based on their vaccine status. Now I see it as very likely. Yeah. So, Well, to answer your question, it's about the generational differences. They have, having grown up with this electronic mm. normalcy, that they look at it as a natural extension of their regular life, so to speak, whereas we have some semblance of connection to the, the past and study of history that says, hey, this is a warning sign. Don't go down this road. Now it's up to us as old people (laughs) uh, to communicate 
uh, uh, the best of our ability to these young people that where we have gone is is a you know a tragic abandonment of foundational principles that they might not even have learned about if they've gone in through government indoctrination, aka public schools. Uh, and we haven't done enough to deprogram them every day from that education or indoctrination. Go ahead, Michael. Benjamin Rush told us that freedom can only exist in a society of knowledge. Without learning, people are incapable of knowing their rights. That's basically what you are saying, Robert. Mm. You know, if you don't learn this foundational history, and we can point to the government-run schools, of course, yeah. that just teach the propaganda. Like the solution to all problems is government. If you got, if you're afraid of something, government's going to save you. Government is going to protect you from this, that, from terrorists. They're going to protect you uh, from. What do, what do they want the surveillance for to prevent domestic abuse? Whew, man. Well, we, I mean, we heard about what was the recent thing of uh, FDA setting up a, like a rumor line. You know, if you hear somebody spreading disinformation or misinformation, contact the FDA. I'm like, why? I mean, this should be such a, a you know, obviously a, a sick joke, but it's real that they have the, L the LAPD has used things like this for years. I think it was called Special Order One some years ago. Now, LAPD is the creation of SWAT teams as well. So militarized police agencies. Um, but, yeah, they've they've even put together an app a few years ago to, like, start reporting suspicious things. I mean, this is just mm. crazy. So we have a message uh, from Leslie to Michael. There you go, right on screen about the pie issue. She's like, because she does gluten-free. She says, you've never <laughs> had my pie. Golden. I want to just say that the <clears throat> pie thing is not an issue whatsoever. <laughs> it's not an issue. No. We're in. You, you had me at pie, as I always say. Uh, and uh, it's just a lovely part of life. We like to find those lovely parts of life in the midst of other things that aren't so lovely. Uh, and uh, that's why we do this. Super Don, I love the way that you take charge of the show when Michael Bolden is on. It actually is quite exciting, thrilling, and, and it's like, I'm like, yeah, let's go. This is, in essence, now a dating show. Oh, because we haven't gotten to that part of it yet. No, yeah. no, because, you know, Super D is taking charge, and you just want to know how much you love I him. <laughs> I see. All right, so let's let's stick with the surveillance issue because I know that's something you're very interested in. I thought this was interesting. I'd never heard of this thing called Ooh, a geofence yes. warrant. Yes. What is a geofence warrant? So uh, it's they also call them reverse warrants. Basically, what they're doing is they're compelling a service provider, a phone provider, internet provider, Wi-Fi provider from giving government to they they compel them to give government the location. Uh, or all the people who are in a given location. One way this is played out, for example, now they've used this type of thing for years. They use geofences on these like bike share things. If you're not allowed to bike it in a certain area and you try to, all of a sudden the, the engine will turn off because you're in the wrong location. I don't know if anyone's experienced that. Uh -huh. We have that in Southern California. The, those uh, are the the scooters that you can, yeah, yeah. That you can, uh, you can. Like Uber, they Uber just scooters. Working. Yeah. If you hit a certain area, they'll like go kaput. Well, they don't fully stop, but they'll only go like two miles an hour and you'll kind of wobble and fall off. Yeah, I tried to take one to Venice Beach a couple of years ago and it just shut down. And then I looked it up on the map and it had a big red square drawn. And that's in essence what government does. They draw a square or a rectangle or a parallelogram or a circle and they go to the provider and say, tell us everybody who's here. Now, if you're going with the standard that no one should be searched unless it's based on a warrant, based on probable cause, particularly describing the person, place or thing to be searched or 
overseas, the idea of getting access to everyone just for existing in a particular area, that's not probable cause of a So crime. you've got an area of, of 10 square blocks. Yes. And then they go, okay, we're looking for this one person. Yes. But in order to find that one person, we need all 10,000 people that are in that. We want to know everything that they're doing, what they're reading, what where what's on their phones, what's on their computers, et cetera, et cetera. Or what they do is, and here's a concrete example. They did it during the COVID lockdowns in San Jose. I think it's Santa Clara County. Mm -hmm. They wanted to stop people from going to church. And so they actually use these geofence warrants. They call them geofence warrants, but they're not really warrants as defined by the Constitution for the United States or the Constitution of any of the 50 states because they're a broad-based general warrant that does not specifically look for a person. It is a the founding generation, in essence, part of the, the, the war for independence, part of the real American revolution was against the idea of general warrants. This was James Otis Jr. against the writs of assistance and 1761 side note but what they did uh they picked out of this church i think it was a mega church in san jose and they used this to basically surveil and find out who was going in this area and it, we can just imagine as they build up this type of technology how they'll use it in the next lockdown so i find it pretty fascinating that here in california just last week a bill to ban this process without a warrant passed out of the California Assembly. I think the vote was 54 to 15. It's Assembly Bill 793. Mm. They could be the second state this year to actually restrict this geofence, geolocation tracking. Uh, the first one was Utah, of all places. House Bill 57 went into effect just last month, and it passed unanimously in both both houses. And it isn't a total ban on the practice, but I think it would ban it at probably about 80% of the time. So it's, it's like the concept of a dragnet, you know, there used to be a TV show called drag, but they throw the net over everybody. Yeah. Just picture, picture grabbing a, a, a map app and then drawing a square on it or a rectangle, whatever shape. And you're just going to the, the service provider is going to tell you everybody who was there at, at that particular time or within a range of time. And again, this is a general warrant. It is a total violation of all constitutional principles uh, on surveillance and privacy. How do they get away with this? Well, just the way the, <laughs> the way they get away with uh, federal gun control or the NSA. Did they put this in place like during COVID and it was like it was a thing that was kind of slipped in there and used or or I think it's already been used. Like, for example, I had the experience with one of these rental scooters with Uber. Uh, where they were using geofence technology. So as soon as we start seeing the technology, my assumption is that it's been used for many years. Another mm -hmm. way that they track people is through red light cameras and automated license plate readers. If you live in an area that has like fast track or toll freeways and you drive through, you don't even have to go to an old school toll and throw That's your change That's a big in. thing down in LA. I used that actually when I was yes. living down there because it was a convenience thing, right? Yes, yes, It was absolutely. like you don't have to stop at the toll booth and all that stuff. Like you just drive on by and they send you a bill in the mail. Automated license plate readers can snap pretty accurately pictures up to 800 cars per minute. So it's and they add facial recognition to this stuff, too, so they can know where passengers wow. go. It's insane how intense this is. And 
we didn't realize until there was a leak. This is post Snowden. Mm -hmm. uh, there was somebody else who leaked this. I can't remember. But the DEA had been running a license plate tracking program, monitoring and keeping a database of where people were for about eight years. So now it's like 11 or 12 years that they have been doing this. Now, the DEA doesn't run their own license plate reader system. They basically just go to the states and say, OK, give us all the data you have. And they just pass it along through fusion centers or whatever other program mm -hmm. that they have. And the same type of thing is probably already happening, I would assume, is already happening with this type of geofence location tracking. They've used all kinds of stuff to do location tracking, license plate readers, cell site simulators is very similar to this. Uh, it's uh, a, It used to be a little box about this big that a, a government agent would have in their car. Now it's generally software-based. And what it does is it spoofs a cell phone tower. That's why they call it a cell site simulator. And so every phone within the area that's on, it automatically connects to the cell site simulator seamlessly like you're not going to get like a click or you, there's no way to know that you're being monitored it just a pass through it connects all the phones in the area it could be a thousand it could be five it could be ten thousand it could be a hundred thousand whatever is connecting to that tower and then they have all the data all the location data the mc numbers they can associate it with people through the metadata they can connect uh, and download uh, conversations, texts, all kinds of stuff. And this, I think the the geofence tracking is just another version of this, another suite in this tool of being able to monitor where people go. And I know the last time I was on, we briefly talked about these 15-minute cities. Now, I like the convenience of being able to walk down the street and go to the market and stuff like that. That's one thing. Mm -hmm. But if they ever want to keep you in a 15-minute city, this is a very easy way to say so-and-so is out of here. I'm sure the Chinese use this uh, yeah. during their lockdown regime. They probably well, used it during the protest, too. Yes, yes, in yeah. Hong Kong, for sure. Yeah. And I remember our friend Liam, Liam Chef, loved the ability to walk locally always or, or bike within that time. And he, he really hated being in cars. He did not like cars at all. And yet, it, you know, here's the struggle I have with it because cars – equate to some level of freedom in terms of travel and transit on your own. You're not relying on anybody or anyone else or a group to, to participate in where there's some things that not so good in group dynamics to, that can occur. So there's elements of, you know, if you want to call it safety, if you want to travel alone at the same time, uh, if you live in a city where you can walk to everything, it's quite pleasant, quite enjoyable to be able to do that. Yet that tipping it over the edge, like you said, Michael, where it's suddenly now that's the restriction is yes. that lovely place that you thought was lovely. And now it becomes a prison cell due to the, and not in a way that you're physically chained with metal that you can, you know, unlock or lock, but electronically because of the technology. In downtown LA, I'm sure they were using this as well. I lived there until last fall for over two decades during the lockdowns. It was insane. They, I mean, they were, they knew everyone by their cell phone where they were. And we know that they knew where we were because we would get, uh, oh, if you live in this district, uh, you know, you live in this district, a lockdown starts at 9 p.m. And then you'd get another text 30 minutes later, 
lockdown has been changed to 8 p.m. And then you get another like so we were getting notifications based on our location. So whether they were actually scooping up who was where and when is another story. I don't trust these people. So I assume if no one's trying to stop them, they certainly are just like with the license plate reader program, just like with the NSA call uh, detail records program, Section 215 of the Patriot Act, uh, where they have been keeping track of so much for so long. Uh, so I, I lived a little bit of that and Mm -hmm. in their hands, I'm sure there's many ways that I'm not even thinking of that they can use this stuff, but the lockdowns I think is a excellent example of how dangerous it could be. So next, next stage of, uh, you know, all of the things that incentivize, if you will, people to live in a 15 minute city, you know, whether it be, uh, the claim of environmental destruction without it, uh, the, the oil issue, all of these things. And, um, there again, there's a lot of really cool things of living in a place where everything's convenient and walkable or bikeable at the same time, boy, oh boy, what, what re- revolts me is the reality. It's not about setting you up for a pleasant life no, at all. I mean, well, not when government's involved. I think a lot of the people who are setting up businesses and things like that, oh, like um, my acquaintance who had a coffee shop who just tried to survive during the lockdowns, and I would go and I'd buy his overpriced, pretty good, not amazing coffee, pretty good coffee as much as I could, but I couldn't afford it. It's hard. Mm -hmm. Uh, But like that's like someone like that wants to make the walkability of the neighborhood better. He certainly did. He created his coffee shop was called Bicycle Cafe. He wanted all the bike messengers to hang out there and they did. And that created a really great community environment. But it was a government that created an environment where he couldn't survive. Hmm. And I'm certain that when they say and it it doesn't even have to be a 15 minute city. This could be in rural areas, too. If they draw on a map. And they say, anybody who goes outside this area, we're going to, I don't know, send someone to their house. I mean, oh, Bolden, you're crazy for saying that. I don't know how many times we've heard that something is crazy. And then a few years later, it happens. Maybe this is just me being old. Not as old as you guys, but close. <laughs> but very, very close. <laughs> Within striking distance. <laughs> we, we, we have you on for the voice of the youth that we are so But yeah, this can be done anywhere. So if we're just thinking, I think a lot of times people look at this type of technology as being in a heavy urban area type of thing, but certainly they can do this anywhere. And I think it would be harder for them to do in a rural area because even for people who are okay with that type of thing, if they don't have access to all their stuff within a few blocks and then they're locked down on top of it, you're going to have a lot more resistance to it. So I think it would be much harder just based on the structure of how a community is laid out in a more open area versus uh, where everything is in two buildings. Mm. Mm. One time. Digesting that. Yeah. Speaking of pie. Speaking of pie. I've talked a lot about the COVID thing we've been through and of course warn people about our fear of germs and how it's a vulnerability and they exploited that vulnerability to lock us down, distance us, remove us from freedom and freedom from us. And then I say, and I ask the question, have we learned enough? Could they deceive us again with the proclamation of another pandemic, pandemic, scamdemic, whatever, another thing that's going to kill us unless we, you know, pay attention and do everything we're told. And then, and I say, well, a lot of people have woken up and seen through it. And they're like, I don't think I'll fall for that again. So then the question is, what is the next ruse? Because, you know, they're planning it. That I mean, agenda, could it be 
I mean, didn't they say never again after the Vietnam War? Mm -hmm. They find another way in to exploit a weakness. And I guess the point of this and bringing it up is like, don't ever get cocky. You know, as much as I'd like to go, well, I won't be fooled again by that. And certainly there are a lot of things that don't fool me anymore and you and others in this audience. But I like to think in terms of well, what could they do? So you can try and work and preempt it and kind of fill, you know, by saying, hey, this is what they're planning to do. Could that be enough? And we look at uh, there's an article here on in the Hill of all places about UFO, a UFO crash. I've had a couple articles published in the Hill. Yeah. But about UFOs? No, not yet. All right. But now they're calling it a credible thing, an urgent thing. It's like, oh, is this the next phase? We've heard about it predicted. It's like, could it be? the UFO agenda that we now come together because there's an alien force that's going to take us over. And now you'll be able to. There already is. And they're in Washington, D.C. Yes. (laughs) You know, I find the UFO thing interesting because growing up, what did we do? We'd watch, you know, UFO movies and aliens and all that stuff like that. But it was always this thing where it was like, oh, that's a fantasy. That's a thing they put in movies and stuff. Uh but it seems like over the last, what, like maybe like 10 years or so, it's become more and more of a thing where it's evolved from being some kind of a of, of movie plot mm-hmm. to evidence that's showing up. And and not just you know some guy with a fuzzy picture of a, of a UFO that he took when he was camping in the woods, but now it's like military people. Um, you know, fighter pilots and, and things like that that have video showing these things that defy physics, the way that they move and the, and the things that they do. <clears throat> and then, Robert, there was that thing that, that we, we showed on the show yesterday, mm. you know, of, of the, the police uh, body cam footage showing some right. kind of strange glowing thing falling out of their own. And then minutes later, a 911 call from somebody saying there's something in my backyard. It looks like there's there's these these creatures that are back there and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 the thing that they, that made me laugh was that I think it was, what, a couple of years ago, the government came out and they said, well, it does appear that there are unidentified flying objects. And they showed the video from the from the, you know, the, the fighter jets and stuff like that. And nobody was like phased by it. It was just like everybody's just like, OK, so, well, let me uh, give me some Twinkies. I'm going to watch, uh, you know, TV. And I'm thinking, God, had this information been released 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. It would have been like worlds. a War of the Worlds type yeah, yeah. thing. Right. And yeah. now today everybody's like, oh, uh, OK. We've been cool. programmed to not even. Yeah. Not a big deal. So now you've got this here. And it's, does anyone this- does anyone think that uh, UFO sightings are just military test vehicles? Well, it's interesting you say that, Michael. Because I wonder how often people saw UFOs before the stealth bomber was made public. Plenty. A lot, honestly, because I I grew up reading about the Project Blue Book and the claims of people. They've made movies and shows about it. I was fascinated by it. Still am to some degree, but I remember this was back in the 1990s, and I, you know, was. doing a lot of research on a lot of stuff that I, we don't even cover on this show. You know, the kind of stuff that causes you to go, I'm hiding under the covers. Right? When you're in therapy, you talk about that. No, uh-huh. you're in therapy. <laughs> Ew. The and bed. the poo pills. The poo pills. <laughs> no. Uh, those of you who remember uh, William Cooper, Bill Cooper, he wrote oh, uh, yeah. his book, Behold a Pale Horse. I 
met him. I uh, sort of befriended him back in the nineties in Atlanta. Wow. In fact, even interviewed him. And there's a video uh, that still exists somewhere on online of me interviewing him. And he was discussing firsthand accounts. You know, he's in the Navy being on board of the Navy ships and seeing craft that defies all, you know, gravity, everything that makes sense in terms of stop, start hitting the water at speeds that would cause complete obliteration. No problem coming back, which is which is what we've seen now in the video that was released by the military. Yes, is these things where there's these crap they just move in ways that can they cannot figure out how it's possible they've done that and then they hit the water and they're gone. Yeah, and so that's why I'm pointing out that I've been quote unquote exposed to this information from people who proclaim firsthand eyewitness accounts and or interviews with people that claim this is what we saw. You know, sworn to secrecy and they decide they couldn't couldn't stay. Quiet. Yeah. UFO was a good band. Who was that? I was just looking at that. I don't know that band. (laughs) You don't remember UFO? Uh, 70s? Yeah. 70s, 80s. They were there. Yeah. Early 80s, I think it was. Yeah. Late 70s. Were they they from Europe as well or no? Do, 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 do. No, that's Europe. That was a band called Europe. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. But anyway, I I just say this, Super Don, and I don't know if you grew up with that kind of intrigue. And I was just, that was me, the nerd. You know, I would want to learn about all the stuff. And uh, people with these firsthand accounts, and again, going back, to the 20th century, a lot of that happened at a certain point. And then we go back historically, even earlier, biblically, and, and strange uh, drawings and paintings on caves from thousands <laughs> of years ago. Oh, yeah, that, that show Ancient Aliens, they, they cover yeah. a lot of that stuff. From, right? from so yeah, We think we know everything and how much of it is our programmed belief versus what is before recorded history, you know, lost civilizations and things like that. And, of course, we can be entertained and go, ah, that's really funny. But there's a lot that defies explanation. I have there to is. that a lot. You look at like things like the pyramids and how they were built and, and the the cutting of the stones, how it was done in a way that they should not have had the ability to have that kind of technology to be able to. Yeah, there's a lot of weird, unexplained stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, is it aliens? I don't know. I, I have no idea. It's, there, sci- it's just Scientology. Yeah. It's Tom Cruise. All John day. Travolta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, I just want him to levitate in front of me and then I can join. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Oh my gosh. All right. So uh this is great. New York City where they can't breathe the air right now because of Canadian fires, apparently. They have vending machines that offer you free crack pipes. And apparently they 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 sold out overnight. They 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 uh, it started working yesterday and then it, it sold out overnight. I'm like Really? Fairly. Crack pipes yeah. are that big in New York City? Am I just so naive? I guess you know, I and, and we can laugh about it. And it, I mean, it, it, it whatever. Yeah. We're we're dudes. We laugh at stuff maybe that you shouldn't be laughing at just because it is genuinely. I would funny, get one for the novelty, but I can't imagine going on opening night like uh, like an Apple store. I don't think it right. would be as orderly as like waiting to get your first iPad. Right. <laughs> like so. <clears throat> The bigger question here, which I thought would be an interesting thing, we only have a couple minutes here, but mm-hmm. and 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 Michael can't stay for bonus, so we'll we'll see. Okay. Let's let's go straight to Michael Bolden. What do you think? And I know you've you've probably seen. I think down in L.A. they they have maybe some of the same policies where they have these. Uh, they they give the 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 addicts clean needles mm-hmm. and they give them you know paraphernalia and stuff out. like that they can use in order to try and prevent the spread of diseases. Yeah. Um, 
Is that is a lot of people are against that? They're just like, why would you do that? You're just making it easier for them to do drugs. But then, if you look at it from a compassionate, a, a, you know, a person who's an addict, yeah. Which you know, if you've never had any experience with 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 you know uh, knowing somebody that's going through that, and you have no way to understand what that's like, um, then you might be kind of you know a, out of touch with the situation. What what do you think about something like that? Do you think that helps a situation or does it make it worse? I struggle with it. I don't know. I mean, I lived next to Skid Row in downtown LA for years. I mean, and when I talk about a homeless and a drug problem on the streets, most people can't even grasp what I'm talking about. And we're talking about in downtown LA, 13 to 15,000 people homeless in a three square mile radius. I think it's 2.8 miles. They're literally everywhere. And on the one hand, you're like, you really feel for people and you want to help them. But after a while, you become desensitized because it's like, am I, you don't really know. I mean, I think somebody's recovery from whatever problem they're going through is very individualized. So to generalize and say, well, this person needs needles, this person needs food, this person needs a tent. I don't know. And I don't think I'm qualified to determine what's best, but I certainly do want to help people. I just think the worst way to help people is a government program. So if it's that, I mean, if it's a charitable organization, maybe there's something to go on. There. And and you know what? It used to be, that was the way that, that they, you know, it was right. It was the yeah. charitable or it was the churches, you know, that would yeah. step in and try and help and stuff like that. But I don't think you have that level of charity today that you had in no. the past. I tried to work for an organization years ago called School on Wheels, which was based in downtown Los Angeles. And I went through their whole interview process. I was the number two choice, but I was not chosen. Uh, but, many years ago and their whole program it's a nonprofit or just a private organization where what they do is they find people who have children and they're homeless and then mm. they find volunteer teachers to give them an education even though they're still on the street so things like that this is a giving of yourself yeah. your time your skills to help people who are in a horrible situation we're not there to judge why they're there we want to provide them some way to get better is a needle the right way i don't know it's, it's a band-aid mm-hmm. I, I think for the situation what it requires i think is a, is a community that cares yeah but i hate well, to say it community doesn't care much anymore well no. what are they caring about just surviving and paying the cost of an overgrown government that wants to monitor your every move and lock you into 15-minute cities is it is that too much to say that charity is being drowned out by, by government illegal and unaffordable Government. Yeah, of course. Government's well, going to do ha- everything. How many times, Robert, have we covered stories over the years where you've got some guy that uh, is is out trying to feed the the, the hungry mm-hmm. people and the homeless people, and mm-hmm. they, they arrest the guy and put him in jail because he's giving out food without a license? I had a friend who she dealt with this in San Francisco. She worked in the restaurant industry as a manager of all kinds of restaurants, and for a while she was taking the leftover food at the end of her shift at the end of the day and giving it to homeless people out on the street. Hey, what this is going to go in the trash? She was told she had to throw it away. Now, if if the homeless people had jumped into the dumpster and gotten the food, then it would have been okay. They do that. They do. You're right. They absolutely do that. Absolutely. Well, this has been fun. It's it's already over. I can't believe it ended so quickly, and and you have to go. I mean, I'm still going to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm always here.
Yes. We'll just get a cardboard can cut I just, out of you. Can I just show my sovereign copper that I texted of to course. you? Before? Yes. Tell me. I'm pretty doing? excited. So awesome. this is part of my back recovery, which we didn't cover this week. Yeah. I started doing a daily dose of sovereign copper. And I don't know if it's just a timing thing, but suddenly around the time I started doing this, I started, instead of plateauing in my recovery from a herniated disc, I started improving mm. between this. And then today I started my bone broth breakfast regimen. Mm. I got my first shipment from North Star Bison. It was pretty cool that a guy, Dan Larson, had messaged me after our last convo to say, hey, I live near this place. It's the real deal. Uh, so I definitely got my first non-certified better than organic standard, according to them, yeah. uh, bone broth. And I'm pretty excited. Dude. And that copper is amazing. And, and you, you could take it three times a day if you yeah, want. It's, it says, I just, uh, I mean, yeah. it's not cheap. No, it's not. <laughs> it, it, but the reality is if it does this, you know, yeah. are you getting the 20% yeah. discount? I actually bought it on Amazon because I was desperate and I wanted it the same uh, day. And we have a right. shipping center about 10 right. miles away. <clears throat> so I paid full. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. RSB20. If you it go, it does to not work. It does not work. RSB20 does not work at Amazon, Amazon but no. SovereignSilver.com. Yep. SovereignSilver.com. Yeah. It definitely does. Yeah. Right. So anyway, I'm glad to see you're hitting that next level again. The the simple minerals sometimes just throwing them in at minute doses. It's amazing, and you're again another level of that evidence so thank you for sharing that too sorry we didn't focus on your back no no it's cool i i do actually notice and before i had to run i do notice that yeah. i so i take a dose of a tablespoon ish in the morning mm -hmm. within 30 minutes whatever pain that i'm in at that time whether it's moderate or minor it goes down a level for sure very cool. so yeah. to me i'm kind of amazed by it but I'm just going to keep doing it, whether that's the reason or not. I don't care. Things are improving. Right. Well, big hugs to Sarah Beth. I can't wait to see you guys somewhere there here otherwise. But uh, uh, we have we have pie to share eventually again, too. And no Always. clicking today. Oh, yeah. none. I was going to ask like three Zero. times. Okay, cool, cool. So Chrome is this week's champion. All right. Hooray. And Google is spying on us through it, but we're, yeah. we're using it against them. We're hiding in plain sight. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> I love you guys. I'm very grateful for the opportunity as always. And it's always so fun just hanging out and doing the show. You, you've made 2023 so much better. No, you have. <laughs> uh, All right. Well, at the end of the show, what does Robert say? It's on. It's my screen name. It is. Let's see. The power to heal is yours. Should we play the uh, the Laban Ditch for dating and 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 shooting? Thing? I didn't download it. It'll oh, take me okay. just a minute here <clears throat> if you want to do that. Just curious. Um, great show heading in the weekend, Super D. Um, that was fun. Yeah, Vanessa was awesome, and uh, Michael as always brings it. And I thank you all for being here. I hope you enjoyed it as well. We have. I just want to preview Sunday's broadcast. The plan is to have air the Ryan Cole interview. If you're already a, a member of our Patreon group, you already have access to that because Superdon puts that up for our Patreon supporters. So thank you for that. Uh, and then we'll fill in the blanks. There's a little bit more to do for that, but it won't take long. And that's our um, my thought for Sunday. But Ryan Cole's a great interview. You don't want to miss that, Dr. Cole. Uh, we were together at the Boise event last week. Keep talking. Oh, that's it? Okay, I can keep talking, all right. Uh, let's see here. I'm trying to... Uh, 
go to a thing in, oh, there it is, Riverside. Uh, I was, you know, interviewed by Donna Gates, uh, who's a friend for many years. She did the Body Ecology Diet for her, her podcast through Riverside, that streaming service. And she said something about, I left too soon and it didn't upload. I'm like, I, you can leave the uh, restream and it doesn't stop it, I don't think. But anyway, just trying to figure that out while that's, while we're here on the bonus round of the Robert Scabell Show, heading into the weekend. Okay. Local video. Today's date. Mm-hmm. Laban Ditchburn. Oh, g'day. It's Laban Ditchburn, affectionately known as the world's best courage coach. And I'm here with the world's best gun instructor, instructor, Elijah Bell. And like dating in your 20s, finding the right gun for you, the right caliber, the right comfortability is a lot like finding the ideal woman. And if you're, a, if you're a, a lady, it's like finding the ideal man. You want to find something that's comfortable to shoot, still challenges at times, and levels you up every time you're involved with it. So as I'm picking up these guns, I'm just going to over voiceover exactly what we're doing. So what have we got for this First up, we have an MP5 clone with a fake suppressor on it and tempered in 22 long rifle. That music's really loud. Yeah. Are you shooting a 22 with an MP5 clone? This is a baby eagle chambered in 9mm. Baby eagle. That's my baby eagle, 9mm. I got that one. This is the Steyr Aug A3 chambered in 5.56. That's a cool looking gun. 5.56 here. Excuse me. It's a good sound when you hit it. Uh oh, here's the 50 BMG. 50 BMG. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> can't hear what he's saying. Yeah, I can't hear him. But uh, <clears throat> I'll have to talk to him about how that relates to dating. Well, in the post, it says here. Yeah. Pull that back up again. It says. Uh, dating in your twenties and thirties is just like finding your ideal mate. You'll want to experience a few different styles and comfort settings before committing. Be safe out there, folks. So that was the, uh, what he was doing there. He was showing you by, uh, by way of, of shooting guns, the proper technique on how to find your ideal mate. Hmm. Well, to, uh, actually I have further queries to him directly. Maybe get him on, on the show sometime. Oh, okay. All right. So, anywho, <clears throat> hope you guys enjoyed the show today. And on Sunday, like you said, you've got Dr. Ryan Cole, and then you and I are going to kind of fill in the blank there on, on we'll find something to talk about. Mm-hmm. To round it out to our Sunday hour, and then uh, let me take a look and see what we got going on next week. Next week, we've got Darren Post. On Monday, uh, Yoni Witten will be on on Tuesday to talk about pain and how to manage pain. And Morley Robbins returns on Tuesday. Yay, Morley. We haven't had him on in a while. It's been a while, so yeah. we'll have him uh, on Tuesday. Ginger Taylor will be with, with us on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, e as usual, on Thursday. And then I'm out of town. So what do we do for Friday? We'll do something for Friday, probably an encore or a pre-record either way. All right. All right. <clears throat> on that. I'm going to the beach, man. It's still hard to believe you're actually going to do it. I know. I'm, it's like, I can't believe it either, but mm-hmm. I'll have it. It'll be a quick trip, but uh, it'll be nice to 
may it be as therapeutic as it should be. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. That's my hope. Hmm. Recharge a little bit. <laughs> Michael Bolden says, bonus round is the best. I don't know about that guy in the last segment, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was awesome. Yeah. Dude, I, I love conversations with, with Bolden. It's fun just to just to shoot the breeze. It really is cool because, you know, you, you, you sort of have evolved and taken charge of that, those segments together. And I, I'm digging it. I'm like, dude, I like just kicking back. It's heading into the weekend and just like, let's have a conversation, man, go for it. And I hope everybody enjoyed it as much as I did. And I know you did. And Michael does. So I sense that some people do maybe most, maybe, maybe Leslie Bolden is a great conversationalist. Yes. Diane, I got a good discount from Sovereign Silver that wasn't RSB. Then I changed it to RSB in case you get support. Yes, thank you for that. We do have a special uh, ability to get support uh, for those uh, you know that use the discount codes. Take advantage, get the best price. You know, like uh, you know whatever it is you're going to get. You know, we have Energy Bits for instance, twenty percent off there too. RSB twenty, I think it is, if I'm not mistaken. It is. And um, Bob Bobbery with. Uh, Folium PX, RSB 10, uh, RSB 15 for uh, Nutritional Frontiers, and you can double dip on sale items. We had uh, Jamie Dorley on this week talking about a lot of things you might want to plug into. Uh, so, yeah, ta- please do utilize that. Uh, of course, the uh, Cardio Miracle. Oh, you know what? We didn't answer one of the, the, the questions of the day. We forgot. Oh, that's right. <clears throat> uh, do we want to do that now? Uh, we probably should. Okay. Do you, You're do right. You, we- in the notes? It's in the notes. Yep. Okay. Uh, let me get it up on the screen. Ta-da! From Bill. Ah, okay. This is from Bill. I received a box of Super Beats. Super Beats. Because I did not order the Beats I was told by the company to keep the 12 containers. Hmm. He didn't order it, and they said just keep it? Okay. Apparently. Robert, I heard you say that Super Beats was not a great form of beats to consume. My question, is there any way for me to use the beats? Can the beats be used with Cardio Miracle while I'm currently taking? Uh, okay, I don't know that I said beats, Super Beats are a bad form of it. I, <laughs> my question is, uh, as I read the ingredient label, it says non-GMO beats. But non-GMO beats doesn't mean that they're not grown with pesticides. So we don't know. I don't know you know, how clean these beets are. It's good that they're not genetically modified. I support that. But remember, a lot of grains are not genetically modified, supported, uh, or, or, or modified, but yet they are sprayed with all kinds of things, including glyphosate. So for me, the organic label and quality at that point for a supplement is, is very important. Or if you can research and validate that there are no pesticide residues, which is possible, and no glyphosate, which is possible. Uh, I don't know. Now, when we talk about beets as a food, they're an excellent food for a lot of reasons, including the support that they give to the liver. We know that beets as a food can enhance or increase nitric oxide production endogenously, but it doesn't fully counteract the corresponding rise of peroxynitrite, the the no-NO, nitric oxide to the O-NO, peroxynitrite, O-N-O-O. And so if you are to use it, I would say use it with other antioxidants like selenium and other things, but it's not as comprehensive as the Cardio Miracle formula, which includes food to counteract the rise of peroxynitrite. So could you theoretically use the super beets? There's also natural flavors in it. Of course you could. <clears throat> again, I don't know enough. Here's, about- here, here's the way I look at it. Yeah. The Cardio Miracle is a superior product. Mm-hmm. 
that doesn't mean that the super beats is something that, you know, if you, if you drink it, that you're banned from the Robert Scott Bell show for the rest of your life or something. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not that it's a bad product. I've heard good things about it. Yeah. It's, it's beet powder, you know, I mean, more, would more beet powder be bad? No, it wouldn't be. So use it, take it, you know, use it until it's gone. Why not? You know, it's not going to hurt you. It's if only good. has analyzed it and find out that it has like, residues of things we don't want. Okay, yeah, I suppose that's possible. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know, but they say it's non-GMO for me. That's like, I would need to dig deeper on, you know, more about the, the growing practices of that particular product. Bill, if it were me, yeah, I'd take it. I mean, why, why throw it away? Unless you, you have concerns about like what Robert's talking about. And if you do, it, it, it didn't cost you anything, right? Yeah. You know, we so you got up, nothing to lose, I guess. We've grown beets at home and uh, I've, I don't, I'm not a big fan of eating beets. My wife, I love, I like beets, especially if they're pickled. Yeah. But what we did is, uh, we ground them up. If I remember correctly into a powder, I don't know if we freeze dried them first. I don't, I don't recall. Uh, yeah. Cut I think that's what we did. We cut them into pieces, freeze dried them and ground it up into powder. And I was adding them into smoothies. So I, it was like my own super beets that I made at home from what I grew. Uh, so I did that before I knew about cardio miracle because I knew beets were good for me. Nope. good for you uh, instead if it's the focus of nitric oxide alone then you need a more comprehensive strategy we've learned that when you facilitate a lot of nitric oxide production you have the peroxy nitride rise so hopefully that's helpful to you bill over on rumble i got to get caught up over there because i was yeah, going on on rumble yeah so citro spotlight apparently got kicked uh out of gardening because of the rain so he was uh, wait he yes that's right he yes father of many um yeah. Uh, let's see here. It says his, his purpose is to make soup. Bring some joy. I like soup. Beet soup. I'm a big fan. I don't know about beet soup. Mm. Um, all right. So question Cetras had RSB. Do you like garlic with copper slash silver or can it interfere? Ooh, that's a great question. Now, among the many things that garlic has in it, it's a high sulfur containing compound, sulfur rich compounds. Now, sulfur is good. There's nothing bad per se about sulfur, but when you combine it with silver in particular, you could say with copper as well, it'll tend to bind and, and it'll gravitate toward the silver particularly and neutralize the silver before it has the greatest benefit for your reason that you want silver to be workable in the body. You know, I've said this about, um, let's say if somebody is on a sulfonamide antibiotic like Bactrim, to spread out the silver dosage as far, far as you can away from the sulfonamide, the, the Bactrim. And or if you're on like a, a garlic intense supplementation for various reasons, separate it out in time so that you don't bind and neutralize the active state of silver before it has full benefit for you. So it, it's not that it would be harmful to take with it. It's just that it will bind some of the reasons you're taking it. Does that make sense? Am I making sense there? I think so. so. I would take it away from the time I do the silver and copper, uh, not at the same moment. Um, but not, again, it's not about danger. It's about getting the most out of every drop, particularly of the hydrosol, the silver, and the copper in that regard. All right. Yeah. Good question. Good question. All right. And then <clears throat> email comment okay. from Linda Walker. Linda says, Super D, you are killing it. With these past two newsletters, great, useful info. Thank you, Gretel. Nice. Well, you're welcome. I, I like doing the newsletters. I do. Yeah. 
it's it's just a matter of of yeah. finding the time and i've i've kind of adjusted my technique and my routine in the morning you you make mention of it yesterday yeah um where i think i've figured out a way to be able to have the time to do newsletters again mm -hmm. so um I'm not making a promise, but I'm going to attempt to try and do that on a more regular basis now. So appreciate the uh, awesome. appreciate the the message, Gretel, and I'll thank endeavor to to continue to get those out on a fairly regular basis. Thank you, thank you. Uh, for those of you who are patron supporters, we're going to do our next AMA Zoom on the first of July. Technically, that means we didn't do one in June, but we're so close. I'm going to count it as the June one. And, and you we'll said we do and we do an extra one in July then. Yeah, but I like to think of it as the first one in July, and the July one is really June 31st. Okay. <laughs> this time, you know, because we couldn't find a way to squeeze in a Saturday, which we owed you a Saturday to do that. So mark your calendars for that. Uh, upcoming events, check them all out. Um, there's some really cool stuff coming on board, and anything changes, you know, stay in touch with us there, and uh, SuperDon can integrate them into the uh, newsletter occasionally. And today, of course, the Marjorie Wildcraft we had on yesterday, isn't her event today? It is. And no. went out uh, again on today's newsletter as well. So hopefully you got, you can always check yesterday's show notes if you want to mm -hmm. get registered for that. I think you still have time. Excellent. Excellent. Yes. Um, I did not do a poll of the day. Um, I made day. extra room in the newsletter to put some extra stories in there. The last couple of them, mm -hmm. I was waiting for somebody to complain and Lori did it. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, here's the, here's the problem that I run to with the newsletter. Uh -huh. There's, I want to put a lot in there. Yeah, but I can only put so much before it clips the oh, it clips it. yeah the newsletter, and so what'll happen is if I put too much. I, I try and push it just to that that limit mm -hmm. because if it goes over, then what happens is 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 the email will cut it off. I've received emails like that where it says that click to see the full whatever. And how many yeah. people would do that? Most you're, you're going to lose. Yeah, a lot um, of people well, are going to miss. So good idea to try and keep it contained in that. Yeah, yeah cool. Indeed. Poll of the day. What do we, you see? You saw that Trump got indicted, right? Yeah, this is just. I have a bad feeling about this one. What do you mean by that? I think they've been working on this for a lot. The, the, the powers that be that are trying to take Trump down mm -hmm. uh, on this particular indictment. I think they've, you know, because they've tried to take him down a few times and they failed miserably. Right. I think they really were, were very meticulous on this particular uh, situation mm -hmm. where apparently, I guess, uh, a couple of his top lawyers abruptly resigned as soon as the indictment came out. Yeah. And it's it's pretty, uh, there's 37 counts. Um, he's facing a, a possible 100 years if he's found guilty on all of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think they're really going to stick it to him with this one here. Hmm. I I don't know, but I just I have a I have a feeling that this one is not going to be uh, it's not going to be as oh, easy as the pre the previous. Yeah, ones. I haven't looked into it, but we'll we'll cover it when we learn more, of course. So uh, Sunday, Dr. Ryan Cole from the Boise event and Super Don and me doing some stuff on on that uh, Sunday conversations, and then uh, back at it for a, almost a full week of broadcast. Friday we'll either pre-record or an encore as Super Don is going to take a well-deserved break to go to the beach and uh you know maybe i can record something for next sunday as well because um, you can automate that stuff so that that yep. harm you too badly as far as your vacation yep yeah anything else? i'll have i'll have my gear with me if i need to do something okay. so. any other comments questions from anybody <clears throat> 
Need to get out in the garden before the rain, Leslie says. Yeah, have a wonderful weekend. Autism One is 12 weeks away, Lori Harvey says as well. All right. Um, check out the upcoming events. Try to be everywhere I can be. All right, guys. Well, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, tune in for Dr. Ryan Cole on Sunday. And we'll be back live in studio on Monday. Yeah. Thanks, Vanessa Elston. Thanks, Michael Bolden. And thanks all y'all for sharing this show. God bless you. And uh, see you soon.